Bueno, bueno, Cynthia, ready? ¿Lista? Yes, I'm ready. All right. Well, let's get started. Yes. Cynthia R. Lopez. What's your middle name, by the way? Raquel. Raquel. Mm -hmm. Thank you for accepting my invite. I'm so excited about today. I did a lot of research on you, and it was very fun because I your Instagram, I went back even years. I'm like, mm -hmm. wait a second. I know this person. I know this person. And this person actually had them on the podcast. And I'm like, oh, my uh -huh. God. You know when they say El Paso is really small and everybody knows everyone? Mm -hmm. It is true. Yeah. So thank you for being on. Thank you so much for having me. I was actually like, when you messaged me, I was like, what? Nice. And then, because uh, you, yeah, you have like every, uh, I mean, of course I'm going to, it's like a lot of people I know. So I'm like, uh, yeah, everyone who's anyone. But when I saw it, I was like, I know that person. I know that person. I was like, yeah, I'd love to be here. So thank you for having me. No, of course. And then when you replied, hey, I actually follow you and watch your, the episodes. And I'm like, I don't know what to respond because I <laughs> wanted like, I'm like, that feels really nice. I'm like, okay, that's so cool. But then I'm, I think my response was very basic. Like, okay, thank you. Perfect. And I'm like, oh, no. but then I don't want to say, because it's the first time we interact that, oh my God, you're the best person ever, right? <laughs> so that's kind of like a challenge for me, but Aww. very excited about today. Um, mm -hmm. Please give us an intro on who you are and what you do. Yes, so my name is Cynthia Lopez. I am an attorney, immigration attorney, and I also own Cash Restaurant and Bar, which is right across the street. Um, yeah, I do a lot of other stuff too. <laughs> which we're gonna talk about most of it, by the way. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, let's get started. Uh, tell us, I know you graduated from Hanks, right? Yes. Tell us about your wow, early you did, life. You did do research. Oh, I talked to your <laughs> teachers, by the way. Uh, yes, so I'm from El Paso, went to Hanks. Uh, born and raised? Born and raised in El Paso. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I left uh, I left to go to college in Chicago. Um, stayed in Chicago for about nine years, and then I was done with the weather. And so I moved back to El Paso. When I graduated from law school, I moved back to El Paso and started my own practice. And uh, in a couple of days, it'll be my 11, 11th year anniversary of, of opening my own practice. So nice. Now, now, you lived in Chicago for nine years. Mm -hmm. Was your, your intention always to come back, or you did say, you know what, I'm moving out and I'm going to stay here forever, especially Chicago because it's beautiful, except the weather, of course. But mm -hmm. was, was that your intention? When I left, I think I just wanted to get out of El Paso. <laughs> and not come back. Well, yeah, I wasn't really thinking of coming back. I think at that point, you know, you're 18, you're like, I'm going to college and I'm going to see the world. And I really missed my family. Um, after nine years of being away, uh, you know, missing my family, it's so far away. It wasn't easy to come back and forth too much. So, um, yeah, I think a big part of it was really my family. And every time I would come back, El Paso was growing so much. Um, and I did want to open my own practice and it was just so much more feasible, you know, cost of living and stuff down here as compared to Chicago. I love Chicago. Um, but yeah, I was, I was ready to come home. Nice. And that mm -hmm. it's been already, how many years you said? 11. 11. Mm -hmm. Nice. You don't regret it. Don't want to go back to Chicago eventually to retire or anything like that. I would love to be able to go back and forth, maybe like have a place there and go back and forth. Um, there's so much to do. I do love Chicago. Um, a piece of me will always be in Chicago. But uh, yeah, I miss it. Of course, I miss it. But um, El Paso's home now. It yeah. is, definitely. Yeah. So let's talk about you still in your early life as far as what type of person were you? What type of student? I really want to get into that because <laughs> like you're a lawyer, right? You're an attorney. But then there's like, did you always wanted to do that? Or talk to us about that. No, I didn't. Um, well, like as a student, I was a good kid. You know, I played a lot of sports. So I played basketball and soccer. And so I was always um, like in high school, mo mostly sports and working was what I kind of did. So um, I knew I wanted to get good grades because I wanted to leave El Paso. So um, I 
the reason I, I did law school was because I wanted to, I think I'm more of like an entrepreneur type of spirit. And so I always knew I wanted to do my own business. And so I felt like law was a really good background for that. Um, and so that's kind of why I decided to, to do law school. But no, it wasn't, it wasn't always like, this is what I want to do. Um, was I, it after high school, right before high school? Was it during high school you said, you know what, I'm going to do this? Law school? Law school, I don't think I decided that I wanted to go into law until I had kind of already graduated college. So I had already graduated college. I got my degree um, in accounting. And I was kind of just floundering around. I was bartending and working in the industry. And it had already been like six months. And I was like, you know what? What am I going to do with my life? And so I think that's when I was like, I'm going to revisit this this law thing. So I think that's when I kind of decided to, to start getting serious about going to law school. But it wasn't really until I ha- I think I had already graduated from college. Was there any, uh, I don't know, pressure from your parents, from your, your I don't know, your colleagues or, or in high school, your friends? Was there any pressure to become a lawyer or, or to just continue your education or you just decided that on your own? Well, my family has always been really big on education. Um, you know, my mom, it's really important to my mom. Um, so I always knew that I was going to go to college. Um, but no, I mean, at that point, I was living in Chicago. You know, I was far from home. I was kind of doing my own thing. So it wasn't really like pressure to go to, to continue my education. But I think there was pressure like, well, what are you going to do at this point? Um, so, yeah, definitely felt that a little bit. But Why immigration? So, uh, (laughs) the reason that I kind of, I had done when I was in law school, I had done uh, a clinic, uh, immigration legal clinic. And so we actually get to do like a hands-on and work in the immigration clinic in the law school. And I really liked it. Um, and I knew that there was a huge need for it here in El Paso. Um, and so I was kind of looking when I graduated from law school, I was, I thought at first I wanted to do like estate planning, like wills and trusts and that kind of thing. And I was kind of looking for work in that area. And I actually went to an interview and uh, somebody offered me, a lawyer offered me minimum wage. And this was as a, as a law school graduate. And I was like, I don't even know if I can pay my rent in Chicago for minimum wage, you know? And I was like, if I'm going to work for somebody at minimum wage, I'm going to do my own thing, you know? And so that's when I kind of decided to come back to El Paso. Um, and I had a dear friend who had always worked as an immigration um, paralegal. And she was like, I'll help you get started. Um, you know, just set up your own shop. I'll work for you. Um, and so that's kind of kind of what happened and so I kind of say immigration kind of came to me more than than I went to it um it wasn't necessarily my passion until I started doing it no it's now I'm, I'm very ignorant when it comes to this so then like when you start law school it's not like oh, okay this is my focus right it can be during or it can be after right after you get your degree I guess yeah right so so we just get our legal degree and then we can go off into whatever field um, so you can get, there's like an LLM, which is like a master's in law, and you can kind of go on and get that. Um, but you really don't have to. I mean, you just get your legal degree and you can practice basically in area, any area that you want to. Have you ever had a moment or a time that maybe you wanted to change your, your um, I don't know, um, how you specialized on that? Because <laughs> I, again, yeah, as I was prepping, yeah. I'm like, oh my God, immigration. Of course, we're in El Paso, right? So yeah. we know people, we know situations, stories, and I'm like, it must be really hard dealing with, especially the ones that don't go your way, right? Yeah. So talk to us about that. Yeah, that's that. Yeah, that's a, like a loaded question because it's like immigration is tough. Um, one of my colleagues and I are always saying, uh, oh gosh, and then this is our lives and we'll complain about how hard immigration is and how tough it is because it really is a lot of times an uphill battle. Um, it's been really difficult it's like an ebb and flow with how the politics are going, you know, so immigration was really hard under Trump for sure. Um, 
it's hard when we have like asylum cases especially because those are really like tough pull on your heartstrings type of cases where it's people that are fleeing really bad situations and then they tell you their story and of yeah. course as a human being you're like you side with them but then there's the law which of course there's very few th things that you can do. Am I right on that? Yeah, and um, I know you're probably going to ask it later about about why I started the bar. And honestly, oh, that was that was one of the reasons was immigration is just like really hard, and um, it can be very disheartening because in a lot of ways we feel like our hands are tied because we're so within the bounds of the law, and there's only so much we can do with immigration. I can only help so many people. I can only you know do so much. And so, um, yeah, there's a, been a lot of times where I'm like, why am I doing immigration? You know, but um, the wins are big wins and we try to focus on the wins. Um, you know, when I can even just make someone a citizen or help them get their residency, um, you know, that that feels really good. And so, yeah, there's definitely times where you're like really disheartened. Um, but I don't know if I've ever been at a point where I'm like, I don't want to do immigration anymore. I want to practice something else. Um, I, I've always, it's like, it's really cool about, being a lawyer, I think, is that there's so much that we can do, you know, and so sometimes I'll dabble a little bit, not so much anymore because I've been so busy recently, but, um, you know, dabbling with music and doing some management and doing some like contracts and stuff like that with musicians. So um, I dabbled a little bit in that just to kind of get out of that darkness of immigration sometimes. When I went into your page, of course, your um, your law firm, like immigration and music. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> wait a second. It's yeah. hot, right? And then yeah. once I did my research, oh, okay, she is passionate about music, you know? Yeah. And, and, and I'm, I'm now everything makes sense as well, right? Of course that. Mm -hmm. Talk to us. Of course, we're going to go back to immigration, but why music? And is, is there, again, in my ignorance here, is there a lot of business, you know, passive when it comes to that law, uh, music law? I don't know what, uh, what you call it. Yeah, um, so there's a surprising amount of original music and really good music in El Paso. Um, I think people don't realize it. I don't even, I haven't seen your episode with Monica, but I'm sure she got into it. Um, we both serve on the board, uh, Monica Acevedo, we both serve on the board of the El Paso International Music Foundation. And um, yeah, there is a lot of really talented musicians. So what, one of our goals with the foundation is to kind of elevate the music scene to be more professional, have their you know have their contracts together and and have their ducks in a row and um so I think what what tended to happen with me practicing music law or even just managing artists was I I, I tended to get sucked in from like a legal role into kind of doing everything for for musicians and so I have to kind of pull back on that sometimes and be like no I can just help you with this contract or I can just help you with that and that um because there is like a really big need for managers um but yeah, there's a lot of musicians that need help. It's just the thing is that I think sometimes I I love music so much and I want to help artists in any way that I can that sometimes I'll just be like, here, have that contract here. Let me do this for you, you know? And so... Is um, it mainly to protect like their original music? Is it their contract with their managers? What, what is it mainly that you it. deal with? Yeah, all of that. Um, band agreements, um, making sure that they have their copyrights, uh, agreements with locations. So um, like if they're doing a show somewhere, do you have a contract in place that you, how much you're getting paid? How are they paying you? Also event contracts between yeah. the artist and the mm -hmm. venue? Is that yeah, a lot of that? Yeah, event contracts or even if they're going in studio, you know, the producer contracts, um, if they have a vocalist coming in or they have, you know, a drummer playing or, you know, who brought what, that kind of stuff. That's so yeah. interesting. Yeah, it's fun. 
It's fun. Tell us about your firm. When I saw, when I was looking at at, um, at your team, I noticed that there's what, maybe five um, to six, all females. And I'm like, mm, I wonder if there's a reason why or talk to us <laughs> about that. Um, not intentionally. I did have a male at one point. Um, <laughs> you make it seem like, yeah, yeah. He was there for like um, no, honestly, it's not. It's not intentionally. I haven't intentionally hired women only. Um, Do you have to say that per law? Um, yes. No. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, no. It really hasn't been in intentionally. For some reason, I just get a lot of female applicants when I am looking for assistance. Um, we don't get a lot of, of male applicants, really. I can tell you over 11 years, I've probably only had like four or five out of, I don't know, 40 um, resumes that I've looked at. Like there's really not that many males. I don't know if it's a role that's not, I don't know. I don't know why that happens. So it's not intentional, um, mm-hmm. but it's cool. <laughs> <laughs> tell us about your firm. Tell us, well, actually, I really want to know um, how many firms focused on specialized in immigration. Do we have in El Paso? Talk to us a little bit about your your own firm, please. There is a lot of immigration attorneys now. Um, when you say a lot, can you give me a number? Oh. More than 50, more than 100, no, less than 20? No, the thing about El Paso is that we don't have a law school. So what ends up happening is there's not as many attorneys, I think, as there are like in other places because we don't have a law school. Um, but I would say immigration attorneys, it's hard to say because recently there have been a bunch that have just kind of like popped up but i would say that there's probably like a good solid 20 30 immigration attorneys um when i first started there was probably only like 10 of us um but even still there's only probably like 10 15 of us that are really like solid go to court um that kind of thing nice yeah. talk to us about your own firm what sets you apart from others um I think our experience for sure. I mean, I've been practicing for such a long time and I do exclusively immigration. So I specialize at this point where we specialize only in removal defense and family-based petitions. Okay. You're going to have to go slow on that. Removal when? Removal defense. Okay. So, that is when someone, okay. You know what? Tell us about <laughs> it then I'm going to try to explain. Uh, yeah. So if somebody, let's say somebody's here in the country. Um, Illegally, of course. They overstayed a visa or they're, they have legal status and they got criminal charges. Um, or if asylum cases, like they go to a port of entry and ask to come in and they need to present an asylum case. Is that um, often like the asylum cases? Because from, again, my ignorance here, the, like the, I see that a lot, but then I also see that in order for you get granted for that to be granted, like it has to be one out of maybe a thousand. And you please explain to me that. Asylum is very difficult. Uh, In El Paso, we have one of the worst approval ratings in the country. What is the percentage? Our judges deny 95% of asylum cases. Yeah. So asylum is very difficult, but it happened like almost everybody that's been coming in in the past like eight years are asylum cases. Um, And it really does depend on political stuff, what's going on. So right now it's a lot of people, um, El Salvador, Honduras, Guatemala, um, because of the situations going on there. I mean, crazy influx within the past, like, two days of Ukrainians. Um, so Here in the border as well? Um, I haven't been getting calls, okay. but I'm so in some groups, like, online, and a lot of the, like, group immigration attorney groups um, are saying that they're getting calls from people in Ukraine. Um, so, no, not necessarily here in El Paso, but, um, like, those kinds of ebb and flows with the political scene do depend on who's coming in. But, yeah, it's a lot of asylum. And the thing with asylum, too, is because I do removal defense, um, I see people that they detain. And so um, 
yeah, those are, are a lot of asylum cases. Those those removal cases, is there, I mean, of course, I'm thinking the percentage of people that do get granted, like for them to, to live or, or, or work here. Um, but does it, is that kind of like the bulk of your job uh, of people, of course, overextended visas that maybe there, there's a case after that? Is that kind of like the majority of, of, of the cases that you take? Well, right now, because of COVID, um, a big majority of our cases are, are the family petitions. So with the detention centers, they were releasing a lot of people. Um, so we weren't doing as much detention work. Um, right now, we've been doing a lot of proactive stuff. So if you're here and you want a petition for a family member that's in another country, um, we've been doing a lot of those type of petitions. Okay, where are we at when it comes to the taking care of the, the detention centers for kids, for minors? I, I even have friends that I don't think they're actively working there because I, I don't know the status of but they used to work, they used to take care of, of, of the kids. How Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I don't do a lot. You know, people always ask about that. And I don't I don't have a lot of interaction with the children because a lot of the nonprofits um, are usually the ones that handle the children. So they have to get basically like a government contract and then get cleared to work with the children. Um, but what's the process there? Like, is there like, will they stay here and live with a relative? Or first thing, I'm, I'm going to send you back to your parents. What What is the process there? So it depends on the detention center, but most of them have goals to get them out within a certain amount of time. So they'll process a child. Um, they'll contact family. So let's say, and it also depends if a child comes in unaccompanied or not. Um, but if a child comes in, what they deem them unaccompanied, they don't have a family member or parent with them. Uh, they'll screen them. They'll try to find a family member and then... They screen the family to make sure that it is family, that it's a safe environment, things like that. But they do have goals to get them out of, of custody as soon as they can. Um, and then the child will go on to have an immigration case um, and present their immigration case. Um, that was a big problem under Trump was that some of the children were coming in. Actually, it, it started under Obama, but um, some people, some children were coming in and they did come with family members and they would separate them. And then they would classify the child as coming in and accompanied when they actually came in with a family member. Um, and so it would be a different process for them, which made it easier for them to kind of separate them and things like that. And so that was one of the big issues was that they were reclassifying children as unaccompanied when they weren't really unaccompanied. They had come in with family members. Um, and so, yeah, they, each detention, depending on where they send them, they have goals of getting them out within like 14 days. Um, but they do screen family and they do try and release them to, to safe environments. Now, immigration is one of those topics close to especially like kind of like religion of where you stand, especially in the border. Again, you don't. Because of maybe of your job, you don't have to tell me your own opinion if if you want to, of course. But it is one of those topics that from time to time, when I talk to my friends, family, and everything, it's one of those things that, I mean, we're Mexican, right? And 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 I put myself in the shoes of people. Of course, they want to work, the majority of people. But then I also see the other side, okay, but there has to be a limit as well, right? I mean, yeah. it, it, it has to be. There has to be something. But it's just so difficult. And again, I don't think there will ever be kind of like... Um, a middle point as far as okay well let's agree on this but wh what i did wanted to ask you specifically is like a lot of people think that and again correct me if i'm wrong that with obama there were more lenient that there was more people more kids more people students right with the with the dream act and all that we'll talk about the dreamers right now um but then the fact is that under obama's uh, administration there was more deportations right so then was it more difficult to trump what 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 is the difference because numbers are numbers facts are facts but then, like, again, our perception, especially in our border town, is like, no, Trump, it is harder. And now that I hear you say it, that in a way, like, is it is is that the case? I mean, of course, you're the expert here. Yeah. yeah, immigration is a really divisive 
issue. And I think one of the things that's really frustrating is that being like an immigration attorney, I think sometimes people think, and then I'm like so pro, pro immigration, you know, but that doesn't mean being pro immigration doesn't mean that I want everybody to be let in, you know, um, I think. And so that's where it gets a little bit frustrating because it becomes this rhetoric where it's like political talk of, oh, well, you're pro immigration. You want everybody to come in and we're just, and it's like, that's why I'm really all about getting facts out there and people, I want people really to understand immigration. Um, but yeah, I mean, we just want a system that works. You know, right now, it's really difficult for me to get, for example, a visa for a musician who could be incredibly talented um, because they don't have a Grammy or, you know, they're missing a certain letter or something like that. They won't be able to to work in the country and come, you know, play music here. And that's dumb, you know, especially when you start talking about scientists or engineers or things like that. So um, we just want a system that works. And right now the immigration system does not work. Like, Will you we can ever have... get to a system that works? Can there be something that works regarding this topic? I think as long as it's so we are so politically divided, um, no. <laughs> but but that 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 could be said about a lot of things, not just immigration, you know. Um, but I think immigration is so divisive, and I think whenever it's become so bad that if you're even like even a little bit pro immigration, it's like, ah, you want everybody in, and it's like that, that's not what we're saying, you know. Let's actually have a conversation about it, but. I think there's so much um, misinformation and so much uh, like xenophobia and fear of the other that I don't see it happening anytime soon. I think there would definitely have to be like a rehaul of the entire immigration system, which is okay by me, but it would take a lot of people coming together in order for that to happen. And I don't see that happening as divisive as, as everybody's been and like political things are right now. Yeah. That, that, again, as you're telling me this, like I remember some friends, the conversation around, again, it depends on the bias that you have, right? The idea that you have that, yes, if you watch news about people, I don't know, immigrants uh, killing others or robbing people, of course, in your head, because that's what you want to hear, that will be, that's going to just fuel your opinion that you have, your strong opinion on that, right? But the fact that is that it's just too difficult again uh, of something that like you said for for it to be fixed overnight right it has to be first of all I don't know if maybe it has to start with not only government with the people have a different take mm -hmm. on how we feel about immigrants right yeah um, the people that are very I don't know if you said this but I will say this pro-Trump right mm -hmm. the ones that oh like this is the way we should do it the American way or whatever it is what I find as a um, what you call it like, kind of like a common point between those people is that people that haven't traveled enough. And the reason I'm telling you this is because I, I try to travel outside of the United States, right? And, you, and, and when you see other people, other countries, the way they suffer, not because they want to, right? You're like, oh, how can we say no? Yeah. But then on the other side, of course, again, there has to be, okay, do you want everyone? Yeah. Like, and it's so hard because I don't have an answer. I don't even have a strong opinion on it because I would like to say I'm pro-immigrant. Um, different reasons, by the way, which I won't name um, in front of you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the fact is that, like, at the same time, putting myself in the other side, like, it's a very difficult subject here. Yeah, um, I think I think something for me that I that I just notice is that, yeah, I think for you to have that point of view, you have to be really like some sort of complete inability to put yourself in somebody else's shoes. Um, 
And I think it just comes, I, I think it speaks to somebody's um, privilege when when it's just like, well, why are those people coming here? Um, because I see those stories every day. Like I see the things that they're coming from, you know, and, and we see that it's not, you know, thieves and murderers and whatever. Um, and so I just think it speaks to somebody's privilege and to um, how they've never had to put themselves in those kinds of shoes because I think if you're, um, if you if you're fleeing your home and everything you know, it's not because it's something you want to do, you know, and that's that's usually what we find with these asylum cases. And that's why immigration is so hard because, you know, you really do. Um, it makes me grateful. It makes me grateful for, for living the life that I have. And every day it does remind me that, you know, we're so blessed. We're so blessed to be in this country. Um, and so, yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, thank you for that. Yeah. Um, we can stay here an hour. really talking about <laughs> yeah, the subject, immigration, of course. Yeah. But um, you did have a podcast, Dream, co- uh, Dream Podcast, mm-hmm. The Truth About Immigration. Yes. Um, 2018 to, 20, uh, to 2020. I'm going to mm-hmm. ask you first of all why you stopped it. I don't know if it was the pandemic. But the, when you have that title, The Truth About Immigration, mm-hmm. is there a lot of misconceptions out there? Because that was intended for the for me, for the regular folks, right? Yeah. So what, are there a lot of misconceptions? What's some of the biggest ones that, you know what, this is worthy of talking about? Yeah, there are so many. That was the reason that, and I think I was just so frustrated when I started the podcast. It was like, okay, people just don't understand immigration at all. And so that's why we started the podcast. Um, and yeah, we haven't, we haven't recorded. I do still want to... Um, keep doing episodes um the pandemic was a big part of stopping um i also did open the bar and so that was kind of a big part of stopping too i do want to revisit it and get back to it but i think i want to kind of revamp it um you know immigration as well that might be nice yeah video definitely want to do video i also feel like it's a really heavy topic so i I think i need like a little comedy in there or somebody you know oh you should invite me i have a lot of stupid jokes (laughs) you have jokes Um, Richie, which he was a, 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 a yes, guest of ours. Yes. He did a really good job, kind of like, and I think that was your intent at the beginning, kind of just yeah. lighted the mood, yeah. not only talking about like textbook of things that you guys should know, right? Yeah, yeah, and I do I do want to revisit it. I, um, I'm a big believer in like things, like not forcing things, you know, to kind of just things happen when they're supposed to happen. And the podcast kind of like took a little break and... I think it was good because especially like everything that was happening politically, I think it would have been too much for me at the time. Um, but I think it'll start up again when it's meant to happen. Nice. Now, going back to misconceptions, talk mm-hmm. to us about one or two that you're like, you know, this is one of those things that people should be educated on or we need to talk about this. I would definitely say number one is what we were talking about with asylum um, mm-hmm. and people just not like really thinking that uh, people are just coming here for the wrong reasons um and i don't know what the right reasons are you know anyways because if i'm if i'm living in a country where i can't feed my kids and i see my kids literally starving and i want to get away and make a better life and so i try to come to the united states like who am i to judge that for somebody else you know um so i would definitely say the the reasons that people seek asylum um and us kind of judging them or thinking the wrong things about them but also tied into that would be that a lot of people think that they um, get benefits, government benefits or things like that. You you really can't get government benefits unless you have a Social Security. So you don't get that unless you're here legally. Um, so that's, I guess, two of them right there. But my biggest one would be asylum. Second one would be I think people don't understand the difference between 
um, being here legally and illegally. They think you're, you're either a citizen. There's different levels of being here legally. You can have work authorization. You can have your residency. Um, you can be a citizen. So there's different levels of being here legally. And I think that's probably my, my number two one that people don't don't understand. Nice. Then, like, like my mom, it's funny because it's a true story. My mom said when I opened the business, I it's been open for two years. She said, you know what? I I don't know. I watched uh, something on TV that she said, you know what? You should hire your tío from Chihuahua. So, you know, you can get on purpose. Like, I don't think it works that way. That I, hey, vete a I, don't, I don't know if I yeah. doubt it's that simple. Now that you said that engineers or musicians that like, I doubt that if I said, oh, he's going to, I don't know, work for me that I can just be like, okay, well, come on over. Right. Because if yeah. not, I'm sure a lot more people would be here. Well, that's, I'm telling you, there's so many misconceptions. It's hard for me to pick two, but that's another one is that people think, oh, well, they should just do it legally. It's like, it's not that easy. First of all, it's really freaking expensive. Um, second of all, you can't really fix your status unless you have a family member. It's really hard. Like we talked about asylum. I mean, it's a 95% denial rate for you to have asylum. Asylum is really the only way to fix your status if you don't have a family member. Um, but yeah, there's not a lot of ways to get your residency um, unless you have family. Talk to us about marrying people. I see a lot of weddings from... <laughs> it's funny because I might or might not have a primo that wanted to... You know what? I'm going to stop here because I don't primo. know if this is going to be... Yeah, yeah. yeah. They're like, hey, primo, consume it. Like, like, how are we on that? Because I do know, I mean, of course, we're not innocent about it, that there's a lot of marriages that are not. But then from what I heard, like, it's not the same that it used to be. Like, oh, okay, pues te casaste and you're good. Like, there is more to it. Tell us a little about that. That way, like, my primo can listen to it. <laughs> we won't name names. Yeah, Julio, Leo. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, getting married is the fastest and easiest way to get your residency. Um, and so, uh, and then your residency can later on become citizenship. Um, so because it's the easiest way and fastest way and like most assured way, if it's a valid relationship, a lot of people do get married. So yeah, there's a, there's a lot of immigration fraud. Um, and, but we as practitioners, um, if you tell me you're just getting married to somebody, I'm not supposed to take your case. Um, so there's like systems in place to, to try and combat that. Also, usually if you've been married less than two years, you'll get a conditional residency. And after three years, you have to do another petition. And if you're not married to that person anymore, they, they're like, hey, what happened? You know, um, so there are systems in place. And, you know, ethically, we're not supposed to be filing those petitions either. Um, us or the person, really. Interesting. But, but yeah, I mean, you can get jail time, fines, like, yeah. Nice. Interesting. Yeah, they take it serious. Okay. Well, thank you for clearing that up. <laughs> primo. So, together. Primo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> este, okay, one thing that before we move on to a different topic, right now talking about immigration, are, can you be an immigration attorney lawyer without being pro-immigrant? Is that possible without naming anyone <laughs> of course is that even possible as i'm thinking like you see cases of course it humanizes a lot of different things but i'm like i'm sure there's some people that even though they're immigration lawyers the truth is that they're not pro-immigrants or or the the their, their view their opinion it's different and again do you have to be pro-immigrant in order for you to be an attorney no uh there's so if you think about immigration and you think about it like in the criminal context there's like defense attorneys and then there's prosecutors right and so the defense attorney like def defends the person who's in trouble the uh prosecutor is kind of like the government attorney um so even in immigration it's the same thing so i'm on the defense side um but there are attorneys that work for the government um there is a main guy that's the chief counsel and then the people under him are assistant chief counsels. We call them ACCs. So a lot of the government attorneys are 
very anti. Um, I mean, I've had cases where I have, um, you know, somebody asking for asylum and they're giving their testimony, crying on the stand. And I look over and the government attorney is like this, like on his phone. And I'm like, dude, like she's up there telling her story, crying, like whether you believe it or not, or, you know, think that she doesn't have a valid asylum claim, like to at least be respectful, you know? And so, um, yeah, so, so no, I think not all of them are like that of course there's a lot that that do kind of understand but i do think a lot of government attorneys are very desensitized to to the work that they do nice well thank you for clearing that out now aside from experience if i am looking for an immigration lawyer attorney but um what should i look at what are some things to hey as you're comparing comparing contrasting firms aside mm -hmm. from experience because it's big what else should someone look for uh i think it's definitely got to be somebody you feel comfortable with um you know talk to them see how you feel with them a lot of attorneys don't even talk to their clients themselves like they'll have their legal assistant uh, i'm a big believer in in doing my own intakes and talking to my own clients because um I want them to see me and feel comfortable with me. Um, so I think that's super important. Make sure you feel comfortable with them. Um, a lot of times, I think you also have to be reasonable with like your expectations. Like I have clients who call me every day and say, hey, I called you yesterday. And it's like, dude, like I'm in court. Or, you know, if, if you're reasonable about your expectations with hearing back from them and things like that, um, I think that's important too. How are you able to find a balance of, like, let's say you have a difficult day, a tough day at work, you know, there was a case that, I don't know, it didn't go your way, and how are you able to separate that when, okay, it's 5 p.m., now I go home, right, with, mm -hmm. with family, how are you able to disconnect? Are you able to disconnect or you're not able to? I've been doing it so long at this point that um, we kind of have expectations, I think, at this point, like, I know and all I can really do is prepare my clients. So let's say that I have an asylum case that, uh, you know, I know it's not a good asylum case. Um, I definitely prepare expectations from the get-go. Like, hey, you know, we'll do what we can, but you don't have the strongest case or things like that. So I kind of try to um, definitely manage expectations for my clients. Um, and I think that's like the biggest part of what we do. Um, but for me personally, um, yeah, sometimes you can't. Sometimes you can't. Sometimes you have to just kind of compartmentalize and then, uh, you know, just kind of take care of your own mental health and move on. And that's all you can really do. There's a lot of, um, for immigration attorneys, I think there's a lot of secondary trauma. I think at this point in my career, I've kind of learned how to like deal with it. And I have like my balances in, in other stuff. But yeah, it does get hard sometimes. It has to be, and it's funny how you tell me your story. It reminds me back when 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 um, had a conversation with Alex. Uh -huh. Same thing, right? When when you have cases, and then you already talked a little bit about it as far as okay, ways that you want to venture out to like other things. Mm -hmm. But it just it has to be difficult. Like even if you are I don't know experienced lawyer like yourself, like the truth is it gets you. You're human. You have family in El Paso. You I'm sure you have cases of family members or people that you know that I mean. They, they just have to touch your heart, you know? Yeah, and it's hard, too, because sometimes, especially with clients that are detained, you know, they look at you and they're like, they're, you're like their last lifeline. So, yeah, I mean, there's definitely still cases that I think about people that uh, didn't get their cases approved and got sent back, and, and you wonder, you know, how are they? Are they still alive? Did they even make it? Do you it, keep you know, contact so? with those people? Uh, No, I don't. Um, No, I think it would be too hard. Um, yeah. Honestly, like especially cases where you, you know that they went back to dangerous situations. It's it's 
Like, you kind of do have to compartmentalize it sometimes. Yeah, all right. Well, enough about immigration, because, again, <laughs> we can spend hours talking yeah. about it, yeah. about specific cases. I have a lot of primos, so they have a lot of questions, <laughs> by the way. But, all right, let, let's talk about, because, again, the the one thing as I was doing my research, I've been following you for a very long time, even with the episode with, with Alex, I was mm-hmm. telling you that we talked about you. I don't remember if it was recorded, if it was before, or if it was after. Uh-huh. Like, you know what, I really, I, I again, the, my intention behind this is not, just to have conversations with people that are successful business owners, lawyers. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, but my goal is for someone that doing stuff outside their job, right? And then if they have a cool story that they can inspire others, even better, right? Mm-hmm. But l- l- let's talk about how do you structure your day? You do so much. For example, yesterday I noticed you went to a networking event. Mm-hmm. Right after that, you were recording a podcast. Um, I don't think you were on. I think it was a recording for someone else, which that someone else, by the way, I sent that a DM. I won't say any names. And she hasn't responded. Can she just tell me no, please? Can you please tell her? <laughs> hey, just say no. No, no quiero lo que sea. But she just left me on scene. I'm like, what happened there? Well, you know I don't know I'm which one of the no, two. You, uh, okay. The City one. rep. Okay. Okay. Pero bueno, talk to us. Why is it that you do so much and how do you structure your day? And it's a lot of questions, so go ahead. My day really, really depends on what I have going on. Um, I usually do like office stuff. So uh, lately, I've been meditating a lot. So I wake up early. I'll read a little bit and then I meditate. What's early? What time do you wake up? Well, early for me is... 7 seven thirty. that's early okay. that's early for me yeah I'm, I'm not a morning person at all i've I, never I, been a morning i thought person. you were gonna say four o'clock in the morning like, no okay. that's alex that's not me okay. alexandria does that uh yeah so 7 7 30 i'll wake up i'll i'll like read a little bit um so i wake Will you up read fiction do you read um self-help and i'm sorry i'm asking this but this is something like kind of like i get my best practices what do you read how many pages is there i try set? to have a balance um okay. so i'm usually reading something kind of like self-help like i call kind of the boring stuff and then i like i really like fiction i like fiction because it kind of gets me out of my head and thinking about everything at night i always read fiction um i read a lot so i go through like i would say i go through like a book a month almost of fiction um so at night i read and then in the morning i'll either read i kind of just see how i feel um does I'll reading read. help you disconnect yeah yeah um yeah because i just kind of go into like a fiction world you know so i like i like i don't like reading like biographies and stuff like that i think that's why i like fiction because it helps me disconnect so like in the morning i'll kind of play by ear on how i feel if i'm trying to finish like a certain book um like a self-help book or something i'll, I'll read those or I'll just read a little bit of fiction. Um, I, I do this app called Libby where you can download. Have you heard about this? No. So it's through the public libraries. So you can get books. You just basically like check out books, but it's digital. Um, so I'm always like on a deadline where I'm like, I need to finish this book because I have to return it in three days. So Is it um, for free or a very It's low- for free. What? Mm-hmm. Completely free. Okay. Yeah. There's limited like licenses. So you have to wait. Like if somebody has a book checked out, you have to wait. And then you only get it for like 14 days or something like that. So. It- and if it's just published today, I mean, you're not going to be able to get it tomorrow, right? I mean, I'm sure that the newer, for example, fiction books, they take like two, three weeks for it to be available for you. They get stuff pretty fast. Okay. I mean, if it's if it's if the public library has it, it's available. OK. Yeah, it's, it's a really cool app. So, um, yeah, so I'll wake up. I'll either read a little bit um, or I'll start meditation right away. I've been trying to meditate for like an hour a day. Um, an hour a day. Yeah. Yeah. The past like month and a half, I've been doing a lot of meditation. Tell us what meditation you do and how does it help you? Because there's so many, and trust me, I have tried several, 
for me, it, 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 I, I still haven't found one that I was like, oh my God, this is life changing, right? But an hour, I mean, that's a long time. W which one is it and what, how does it help you? So right now, what I've been doing recently, there's an app called um, Synchronicity. Synchro Synchronicity. Um, I'll send it to you. Um, and so I have ADHD and I have anxiety. So um, I like that app because it has, um, you have to have good headphones though because it's like 3D. Um, but it 3D sound? 3D sound. Um, okay. Which is cool because for me, it has like, it has multiple levels going on, like different layers. It'll have like a vocal It'll have like a nature sound, like a bird chirping, and then it'll have music. And so that helps me stay present um, because with ADHD, it's kind of hard for me to sit still or be present for too long. So that helps me because I can kind of listen to the music. I can listen to, it's not like guided meditation, it's just sound. Um, so that one's really cool. And that's usually like 20, 30 minutes. And then about the past month, I've been doing like a manifest manifestation meditation because I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm an Aquarius, and so it's been February, and I feel like this month has been really good for uh, manifestation. So your birthday just passed? Mm hmm It just okay. passed. Yeah. I don't know about signs, but I'm, uh, my birthday is next Monday, oh, and I know my sister is, okay. Uh, so happy <laughs> birthday, by the way. Thank okay. you. Thank you. So this app, like, you're you're doing this separate meditation, and why do you are doing Two. I've been What's doing the two. Or? I've been doing two because of the month of February and manifestation, and then I'm also really working on manifesting, manifesting like a couple things in my life. So I've been uh, doing the two, which is kind of a lot. Like towards the end, I do get a little bit restless. Um, about thirty minutes is like a good meditation for me, um, and so the app is like twenty minutes. But then I've been throwing in this past month the manifestation meditation just because I feel like it's a really powerful manifestation month since when are you big or you maybe it's been all your life that you're a believer in manifesting your your dreams or your uh oh yeah your goals i think i've only recently like started to get into kind of understanding it a little bit more and being a little bit more directed about it um yeah i would say probably the past like four or five months that i've so been, that's a been recent as well yeah i think i've always kind of manifested things in my life but without being so directed about it um but i also think that has a lot to do with like shifts in energy right now like i feel like there's a lot of stuff going on in the world with energies and age of aquarius and stuff like so yeah i don't know but but more recently it's been more like directed manifestations if you don't mind talking about your anxiety thank you for sharing that by the way mm -hmm. in what way does it affect you have you always been this it because again I, I i honestly don't understand that to a, to, to a good extent to be able to to talk about it more, of course, but um, like, because from what I hear from people, there's different types, there's different times, um, types and, and, and times where you get this. Can you talk a little bit about that, please? Yeah, so I pretty much went my whole life without knowing. I mean, I always knew that I had, I was like self-diagnosed ADD, you know, I always knew that I had trouble focusing. Um, anxiety has always kind of been a part of my life, but it's only been recently that I like actually diagnosed and kind of started to learn mechanisms for dealing with it um and started therapy and thing like things like that like within the past year um and got diagnosed like a year two years ago you know so um these were kinds of things i just kind of always learned to deal with um maybe in ways that aren't weren't always the healthiest way how were you dealing with that um i used to smoke a lot of weed <laughs> um and just always being all over the place, you know, doing this business and that business and being in this place and doing that. And I think only within the past year, I've kind of realized that, like, my focus sometimes is better when I realize that it's anxiety making me be all over the place or my ADHD that's not letting me focus. Um, 
but yeah, kind of dealing with it in thing in ways that weren't necessarily healthy. Um, you know, did it affect your relationships as well? Yeah, I think it does. I think even just friendships, like you kind of bounce around and you're just not focused sometimes. And you know, even just my friends will be sitting at the table, and I'm not taking any meds or anything like that right now. I'm trying to kind of just um, deal with things um, like as they come and not put anything in my body right now. But um, like we'll be sitting at a table and. Um, you know, I get up and I walk around or like, especially if I'm at work, if we're at the bar and I'm sitting with my friends and anything will distract me like, oh, that TV's off or it's not on a sports station or the music's too loud or is there food in the kitchen that's waiting to be run out? You know, things like that, that um, I'll be distracted by by the simplest thing. Um, and now I kind of recognize it a little bit more. And, and I'm I think if anything, it's just made me be a little bit gentler with myself and be like, you know Catching what? yourself and then having like a process to decompress or to take it back. Is that what you're Yeah, or hearing? just not being hard on myself about it. Like, like, oh, why did I get up? Or somebody was talking to me and I couldn't focus on what they were saying to me. Um, you know, well, it's okay. It's, it's just how I am and I need to understand and be gentle with myself. And it's okay that I did that. And, and just be kind of gentler with myself. And I think that's something that's kind of come within, with the diagnosis and understanding that about myself recently. Yeah. What is anxiety together? Is it overthinking? Is it having particular moments that your brain just can't stop? What is it or what was it or what is it for you? Yeah, definitely racing thoughts are a big part of it. Um, I think also like ADHD in women and men is very different. Um, mm -hmm. And I think they're only recently kind of starting to, to recognize that. Um, but the anxiety, yeah, constant racing thoughts. Um, Negative thoughts, right? I'm assuming. Because everyone has thoughts, a million person, I'm, I'm assuming. Yeah, um, but it would be like like almost obsessive. Like I would be like, oh, why did I say that? And then you like, you can't stop okay. thinking about that. And you, even though you've already thought about it, like that's the something that you just keep thinking about. Um, and so the anxiety, like through therapy, I've learned some coping mechanisms. Um, a really good one that my therapist helped me with was like, you think of a box. And if you're thinking about something, you just can't stop thinking about it. Like just put that in the box and then you're going to come back to it later. And when you can come back to it, you can pull it back out and you can look at it again and so that you don't keep thinking about it over and over and over again. Like to the point where sometimes I don't sleep, um, I can't fall asleep because I'm still thinking about the same thing over and over and over and over again. Um, Is there things that trigger that? Did you notice after that when you were 15, was there a, you don't have to explain, like a tragic event or, or has that always been this way? I think honestly, I've always been like, a pretty anxious person um but it's one of the big reasons that i've been trying to meditate so much because um it really does help me it makes a really big difference um i've also been working a lot on like my self-talk and so i think because of the anxiety it would be like like for example let's say i don't know i have a deadline or, or paydays tomorrow and you're like oh my god i have payday and i have to pay this and i have to pay that and that and that and that and so the self-talk recently and only like within the past two months maybe where it's been like reminding myself that you don't live in a place of scarcity you live in a place in abundance and like all of those kinds of things help like doing all that with my meditation i think helps with the anxiety so yeah is this looking back a little bit is this anxiety caused by events that happen in your life or is this is something medically that that just the way you were wired to again for, <laughs> for a better turnaround sorry since since you were born because again I talked to Justin, I, I had such a great conversation. I don't know if you watched that episode or not on mental mm -hmm. health. Mm -hmm. I'm really big on, on, on again, on, 
I think there's a lot of most of our issues, business, uh, personal, they all come with the way you think, right? Uh, they all start with that. So I'm trying to help out a little bit. And, and as you describe it, I'm like, I wonder if I'm sure maybe there's a combination of both that there was an event that this triggered that. But at the same time, now that you said that you went and asked for professional help, I'm sure that's kind of like when you were diagnosed. But does that mean that you were born with this? Uh, tell me a little bit more about that. You and my my therapist would like to know. <laughs> hey, I, I need to invite your um, therapist over right? for no, sure. No, we don't need to do that. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I think um, I think a lot of it, you know, the nature versus nurture type stuff. I mean, I'm sure both things kind of play into it, but um, I don't know. I don't to know. what percentage? Because you said you recently, right, a couple of years maybe, um, that's when you asked for help and where now you're actively kind of like uh, – finding ways to help with that but um what made you ask for help look for help um kind of just i guess growing up <laughs> kind of mean? like i don't know just trying to get healthy mentally you know um you know recognizing that uh sometimes you need to talk to somebody i think therapy is really good for everybody um i think it's something that that everybody needs to do and i know it's hard because with insurance and getting into actually see someone with COVID right now, our it's really culture hard. as well, because yeah. we're not used to that. Along as soon as you tell someone that uh, you're look, you're talking about your problems with mm -hmm. someone else, ta loco, you know, like our, our yeah. culture, Mexican culture, or Latino culture as well, that yeah. plays a big role. Yeah, I think just trying to grow as a person really was a big thing for me. Like I'm ready to kind of break some habits that are that are habits that I think are just ingrained, like our culture, um, you know, or, or thought patterns. Um, and, and I think I just recognized, hey, I need to kind of get outside of myself and get an outside perspective in order to do that um, and get healthy emotionally, physically, mentally, you know, so. Uh, that's good. Of course, we're always a work in progress, but what to what percentage would you say that right now you are better compared to a year ago, compared to two years ago, <laughs> compared to five years ago? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I feel like I have grown a lot in the past year or so. Um, yeah, I feel like I'm in a much healthier place than I was even just a year ago, two years ago. Yeah, I would say I've grown a lot. Um, and I think a big part of it has been therapy and having somebody else to talk to and just kind of have a sounding board. Um, also, my wife, you know, she's she's in a really good place, too. She's in medical school. And so we're both kind of like on this path of growing together. Um, so I feel healthy. Yeah, I feel good. That's good. Please tell your wife to have your well, her Instagram open because it's private. As I was doing my research, I'm like, I would love you to. You were doing research. Oh, I have to. Just like I was yeah. telling you, you're giving me your time. I'm yeah. not going to he be here just asking like, hey, <laughs> tell me about the web. Like, yeah. I really have to respect yeah. that. And Aww. because of that, I mean, I th that's what I did. But I noticed she's in the medical field. Uh -huh. Something, right? Yeah. But... Uh, for anyone listening, hearing, seeing, whatever it is, what would you recommend? Kind of like maybe a sign that, hey, you may you may be suffering about this. Mm -hmm. And maybe if they have identified that there is an issue, will be, again, um, your two or three things that, you know, maybe you should try to get help. Mm -hmm. um, what, what would they be? Well, I think definitely like depression, if there's any kind of depression, um, if you've ever felt. To an extended period, right? And I'm sorry to interrupt you, but then if not, I'm going to forget. Because depression, we all get moments that we feel down. We get, There's always moments that, okay, that that you're always talking bad about, negative about yourself, right? Mm -hmm. But what is depression? Because then like the people that have it consistently, mm -hmm. what 
is that i think if you ever i don't think there has to be like a certain amount of time i think if you're ever at a place where like you just can't shake it off because Mm. um i think for the most part yeah we all kind of get down but if you just can't shake it off or if you're ever feeling like self-harm or anything like that i think definitely get help but for me like i first i mean i first just recently got um like diagnosed but i started I, I've been on like anti-anxiety meds for like 10 years and that was just through my regular doctor and finally they were like no you need to go talk to a therapist now um, but I've probably been on on anti-anxiety meds for like 10 years and the reason I first started getting on something and realized that it was a problem was because it was it was interfering with my work um, in what so, ways um, it was like a little bit like depression where it would be like I would just cry for anything or I just wasn't productive like I felt like I should be um, so that was definitely a red flag. So if I think if somebody's ever in a place where they feel like they just can't shake it off, like there's nothing wrong with talking to somebody. Um, for the anxiety, uh, I think, and actually you said it, you asked somebody, I don't remember which episode it was on, you got, you were talking about what's your one piece of advice for, you know, if you want to start a business and you said you really have to know yourself. Um, and that really resonated with me. I think th- that's, that is huge. You have to know yourself. Um, and if you want to grow as a person, like, and there's just some part of you that you, you can't get out of your head or you can't, you know, you have to recognize that. Um, and sometimes you do need to talk to somebody. Sometimes you do need a little bit of help with, with being on medication that pulls you out of your depression. Like it sucks, but sometimes that's, that's the situation, you know? And so you do have to recognize that with yourself. Um, but if it does affect your personal life, is if it's affecting your work, um, and there's nothing ever wrong with talking to somebody and you, having a sounding board and saying, hey, this is how I'm, I'm feeling this, this, and this, and what do you think? And yeah, maybe you have anxiety, maybe you have depression, maybe you don't have anything and you just need some coping mechanisms, but um, yeah, definitely like depression is a little bit hard, and I think a lot of people don't understand depression, um, and it really is like like I didn't really understand it until I experienced it because it was for me it was just like just be happy or smile or you know but when you're going through depression you really like can't pull yourself out of it um and that can be a dangerous place to be in and I think that's when you start getting into dangerous situations with like suicide and things like that that's why um I think a lot of people don't understand it who haven't experienced it so um yeah there's nothing ever wrong with just talking to somebody any advice for someone that uh, again, like your wife, you say your wife has been big on supporting you. Like that, so, like advice for me for your wife that we're on the other end. Number one, I have learned that it's not just as simple as say, hey, just smile. Hey, like, no pasa nada. That was me back in the day because to me, it's so simple, certain things. But again, through learning a little bit more, through having a little bit more empathy, you understand that it's not as simple as that. See, me puedes decir esto, but it's not as simple as that. So any advice that you have from like for the other side, like me, if I know someone or either ways to kind of like check on a friend, check on a spouse, or if if there is something like, what is the way, the best way to support um, someone with depression, anxiety, aside from just saying, vas a estar bien, you're okay. What else? I think it's, it's, good to encourage people to talk to a professional um because sometimes you're not equipped to deal with that especially if somebody is in a like depression um or where they're you know danger to themselves or to other people like sometimes you're just not equipped for that so um I think just being there and encouraging them and letting them know that it's okay I also like 
I think it's important for me to talk about it for myself because I think people need to normalize it a little bit more and know mm-hmm. that we all we all have anxiety. Yep. Yep. You know, we all go through depression. Like it's all it's normal. Um, talking to a therapist is normal. Um, you know, realizing, hey, I have to take meds or I get really depressed. You know, that stuff is normal. Um, so I think just being there for somebody and, and kind of normalizing mental health and, and addressing your mental health issues is all you can really do, you know. I appreciate this conversation, you sharing this a lot. I know it's gonna help someone because again, when I had conversations like this that um like you you have no idea like the comment that you said that hey when you said this this actually resonated like this is something yeah. to me like you never have an idea, especially if I have three views, my mom, my tia, and then somebody <laughs> else, you don't understand, right? Not yeah. that I care about views, but the fact is that that's why this is so important as far as people sharing stories and, and being open, like you said. I think the first step is being okay with being open right because especially mm-hmm. someone like Jasuina, someone like alex that share like their their their, their issues with with alcohol like you would think that oh like they are here but then they're everyone's yeah normal everyone's okay everyone has issues it's just a matter of once you're able to identify and to be able to be open i think now you're in a good place right i think yeah. i don't know if you were this open five years ago i don't know mm-hmm. if you were open 10 years ago to share this to talk about it and to also kind of like help yourself with this right yeah, and, 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 and I think, uh, you know, the whole point is evolving and becoming better human beings, you know, and if we keep on those cycles, we're just going to keep in those cycles until we learn our lessons. And so, yeah, you know, if you're drinking, what what are you masking? Are you ever going to identify the root and actually address it, you know? So, yeah, being self-aware is, is really important and actually trying to break those cycles and your patterns that are keeping you in the, that same life cycle. <sighs> Tell me if you share the same point of view or not. As I've been, I, I have conversations like this with my daughter, it's crazy. As far as the self-awareness, right? Self-awareness and perspective, I think it's the number like one and two things. Mm-hmm. Once you have self-awareness, once you have perspective, there's no way that you can be unhappy. Again, my own opinion might be stupid opinion, but that, that, that those are, I, uh, I'm a true believer in those two things. Now, self-awareness. I think perspective you can work on it by traveling, by knowing more people, by hearing a different opinion. I think perspective, it can be. But as I think through this, and again, I I really want to hear your take on this, self-awareness, I have narrowed down to intelligence. Like, I have narrowed down to either you have it or not. And again, it might be wrong. Hopefully I'm wrong, but I'm like, there's some people that just don't have that self-awareness that, hey, that comment you just made, aquí no. Like, like you, just by reading what I'm talking about, like, kind of like our conversation, I know that I can skip my questions or, so let's, get, let's talk about this because she's, you, you know what I mean? That's mm-hmm. self-awareness, that being able to kind of read the room, read the person, right? But as I think about it, you know what? It is intelligence. And as I think about intelligence, either you're born with it or not. And that sucks because, I mean, of course, if you're not, it sucks for you. Pero el chiste is, and again, there's no right or wrong answer, but what's your take on that? Is do you, is that something that you share or can you tell me, says, que no, self-awareness. It, it might be intelligence, of course, but that is something that you can work on. Have you thought about that prior to today? <laughs> I haven't really thought about that, but I don't think, I think there's some not intelligent people that can be self-aware um i i think it's more instead of intelligence maybe um what's the word uh like 
not common sense, but kind of just common sense. No, it is. I think self awareness, common sense. Like it's kind of like one in my opinion. <laughs> See, the I'm trying to think of of the right word, and and I don't think it necessarily means intelligence because, well, I and mean, maybe that's like the hopeful side of me that like maybe you don't have to be born an intelligent person to be self aware or to even be like caring and kind and you know um, that hopefully you can you can become that even if you weren't born like that. Um, but yeah, no, I definitely agree that, that exposing yourself to, to other things and travel and other people and other opinions definitely plays into that for sure. Um, what's don't feel pressure. Cause again, I know that it's it just conversation that I, like, I think for hours and I'm like, oh, okay. You know what? It bring it boils down to this. And if, it, if I'm right, which hopefully I'm not, but then that sucks because there's some stuff yeah. that you can't control and some others that you just can't. I, I would probably, I would I would maybe switch the word intelligence with like naive or naivety because I feel like that's something that you can control. Um, you know, you may not, you may be naive and that you've never traveled the world or left El Paso, mm-hmm. um, but you can change that by by being self-aware, um, by traveling the world and then having a little bit more exposure, whereas you can't necessarily change your intelligence, I guess. I don't know. Okay. Something to think about, <laughs> hopefully, know, after yeah. the episode, yeah. you're like, oh, let me yeah. really think about this. Yeah. Y lo me lo mandas if it is something that you're like, hey, you know what? I got it. I'm all, you know what? Edit this into the podcast. Sí. I'm going to film myself and then just clip, the yeah, clip yeah. will be right there. Of like, course. <laughs> see, like, we'll put uh, like the, the your car, your business card on the film, right? Oh, by the way. This is a question that I started incorporating after Chelsea, um, the owner of Chico Relic. Uh-huh. Um, she's very smart, um, woman educated, and and also like the the way she thinks. I, I think I share a lot of things with her. Um, and then after the episode, she asked me, "Hey, are you the happiest person that you know?" Lomaka, have me think, and then that involves a lot of different things, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna ask you, of course, the same question, and if the answer is no, based on your self awareness. What are some steps that you're taking to get there, right? So first of all, are you the happiest? How happy are you? What is happiness to you? Y a donde vamos? I know that was like five questions <laughs> in one, so good luck with that. Um, I think I'm the happiest person I know. Mm. Yeah. Um, but I think it's taken a lot of work to get there. Okay. Um, and I would probably say only within the past, like, few years that I could say that. Um. What is happiness for you? Is it fulfillment? Is it, we all have a different definition, a different take. What is it for you? And I mean, this is like questions today, you know, uh, 223, 22, you know, 224, 20. Um, For me, happiness is um, being at peace, fulfillment. Um, I feel all those things right now. uh, And I think that's why I could say that I I think I'm the happiest person that I know. because I'm happy like with myself right now. Um, and like I said, it's like today, you know, but um, yeah, for me, it's definitely being at peace. Yeah. I like that. Is that being in peace? Of course, it involves a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. It involves like, again, feeling fulfilled that, you know what? I am doing the right thing. My relationships are good. Is there anything that you actively do? I know we talked a little bit about it already in order for you to maintain that happiness in order for you to maintain that level of hey i feel good right now because i think it's hopefully you do as well that it's progress it's work like you said it's today well yeah but that means that because tomorrow you know like it is an active thing right every day 
le echamos ganas. Um, I, I think it's an everyday thing. I think it's a mindset. I think a lot of people... Um, uh, I've been reading... Uh, I just... Well, I have like two more chapters left in this book called um, The Power of the Unconscious Mind. Okay. Or the subconscious mind, power of the subconscious mind. Um, and it talks a lot about your subconscious mind and your conscious mind and like how powerful your subconscious mind is um, and how people don't really think about that and how your subconscious mind like just takes, it takes whatever for face value. So if, if you say, um, I can't afford that soda. Yeah, you can't afford that soda. And your subconscious mind just takes it for face value. Um, you know, so self-talk is really important. Um, and every day you have to make that decision. And so... I've been focusing a lot, um, you know, on my self-talk and on choosing it every day, you know, the happiness and kind of just living in gratitude. Um, but it is something that you have to do every day and it's really easy to get thrown off from that mindset. Um, but I think it is something that it's an everyday thing that you have to choose to do. Yeah. All this comes from self-perspective and self, I'm sorry, self-awareness and perspective, yeah. by the way. Yeah. Once you have that, like understand where you're at, right? Because again, you might think you're happy, but then if you have all those moments that most of your day you're not or most of your week, uh, no. And then again, the, the the perspective to understand, like what helps me all the time is that I'm, uh, I don't think the right word's afraid of dying. It's not that, but I, from a from an early age, I realized that I'm gonna die, right? Like, like <laughs> and, and with that comes with, bro, no pasa nada. Like the worst case scenario is this. I have so many issues, right? But the worst case scenario is this. If the answer is, are you going to die out of this? Is the answer is no? Eh, no pasa nada. And a lot of people, um, a lot of friends mistake that with he doesn't care. Yeah. It's not about that. It's just I really have a clear understanding of what matters in the book of, like, yeah. this should matter, this shouldn't matter, right? And and, and this is going to sound extremely selfish, but in the pandemic, when people said, oh, the pandemic has helped me um, to have a different take, a different perspective, a different thing on, like, it really helped me with this. When you ask me what I have a take, and, and again, yo sé que suena muy mamón, pero nada, like I, like the pandemic did nothing to me as far as like, oh, now I'm a better person. Because the fact is that I have always had like, this is a situation, now you deal with it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then it's going to either, it, it's going to pass, things are going to pass. And you know that podcast that we were talking about as far as like, you know what, I just listened to one two hours long that it was like at 12 p.m., 11, uh, 11 p.m. And I was like, I don't know if I should send, I'm going to send it for you. And it will be mind blowing, by the way. <laughs> but anyway, going back to that, it's, and again, the the one thing that I'm struggling, I struggle with a lot of things, but the one thing is like, first of all, if no one, no one asks for your opinion, shut up. Yeah. Because I used to make the mistake, me dices tuyo, all you have to do is this, like, oh, you have to travel, vete a Cuba, porque I went to Cuba. Ahí vas a aprender perspective, you know, and, yeah. or no pasa nada, and like, first of all, if no one's asking, shut up. And the other thing that I have um, learned just to have a little bit more, well, it's, it's, it's a very similar perspective on like fully understanding, right? Being empathy for both sides. For example, right now the, the, the war broke down, right? I do see and I, I get it uh, against Russia. Russia's doing this and I get it, trust me. But then before I give you my opinion, before like, I'm sure there's something else I don't hear. And again, this is how I feel like having those two and going back to happiness, that, that is happiness. Because if you only go one route, pues que crees? Like, chances are that, yes, it is for this topic, but it will be for others, that you only go one way. Mm -hmm. And things are not that simple, right? And I think that perspective, at least for me, makes me feel comfortable. And comfortable, just like you said, at peace, it is happiness as well. That in progress, by the way. But yeah. I'll see. Yeah. All right. 
Anything <laughs> else on that? I'm sorry that we, te digo, somehow, some way we start talking about that and then we're there every single yeah. episode. Yeah. Well, and then happiness is so many things to, you know, a lot of people, if you ask them what is happiness to you, I think a lot of people wouldn't even be able to tell you what that is to them. So, and it can so? be, and it can be different things to different people. And like, like, I mean, even for me, it depends on the day you ask me, you know, like, you know, happiness for me might be, um, yeah, I got some chicken nuggies that day. Like, <laughs> right. it, it, it just to do, for me has been the perspective that like when I have good moments, boom, like I store it. Like this is a good moment. They come and pass. Boom. I'm, I'm living the moment. And when I have difficult ones, this is going to pass. Yeah. Yeah, you have to be because then you get in that mindset and then that's when you start getting into that negative talk. And then, yeah, you can't you can't dwell in, in that space. Yeah. Nice. As you know, since, since you have watched several episodes, I have a daughter, um, mm -hmm. Vive Conmigo, right? So it's for 10 years already. And I struggle with if you, again, this is the first time we interact, but ho hopefully you can see that, hey, Esteban has confidence, whatever, right? But it's so difficult for me to teach my daughter to be confident. Like, uh -huh. I, we have conversations, but I go, like, it's not as simple as, hey, all you have to do is be confident. So my question has been to especially female guests is like, how what advice do you have to build confidence on on girls on 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 your on your kids on on anyone of course but like is there anything that you can talk about when it comes to building confidence in women Ooh. <laughs> um well y y one of the things that i talk about a lot is that my you know, I think I am the person that I am because of my mom. My mom definitely. I mean, of course, everybody in my life. But my mom shaped me in so many ways. And me as a little kid, I've well, I've always been shy. Um, but my mom would, um, and I hated it at the time, but I think it was so good for me. Like, I would look at the menu and then I would just, like, look down. And then I would, like, whisper to her what I wanted. And she would tell me, no, you tell her what you want, you know. And so I think my mom... Um, taught me from a very young age to not be afraid to speak up you know that kind of forced me to to look people in the eye and to like advocate for myself and what I wanted um, and little things like that I think are really important especially for young women is like not to allow them to to not be comfortable in their own space um, and so I think my mom like pushed a lot of that on me that I didn't like when I was a kid because I was really shy um, but I think it helped build a lot of confidence. Um, I think also, you know, and th this is probably something more so for themselves. I, I Maybe for you as a father, it could be like um, not letting them feel comfortable all the time. Like you can't always just be in your comfort zone. Um, you know, speaking in public is not something that most people like to do. Um, I do it a lot, but I don't, like now I, I, I'm used to it. But at first it was really, especially with anxiety, like it was a really hard thing for me to do. But I had to keep doing it in order to to be comfortable in it, you know. And so it wasn't some, it's not my comfort zone. Um, you know, you asked earlier about like on my Instagram and there's videos of me and stuff. And like, I don't like doing videos of myself. Um, I don't like doing pictures. I don't like, but I have to. Like that was a really hard battle for me with my practice and having like my marketing and PR people would be like, no, well, your, your practice is you. It's your name. It's got to be your face. Um, you know, we can't just show your logo all the time or whatever. Like, it's got to be you. Um, and people really want that with, as an as an attorney. People want to see you. What are, were your thoughts? Because we talked about that, right? I know you're really mm -hmm. close to Alex, that she's always there in front of the camera. Like, she has no problem with that. But your take, it's a little bit different, right? Even though you force yourself, but yet you're not at that 
place that that meaning active on social media right yeah. what is right now the things that you still like what first of all maybe you don't believe in that strategy maybe that can be it you know what i just i'm taking a different strategy or i do know that that strategy works but i have issues still posting talking doing them my image is that no, a that's better, like, yeah, yeah that's exactly what it is um yeah no i think you have to be like constant with social media and like for for alex um she her social media is great I mean she's constantly posting she constantly has stuff up for me a lot of it is uh, yeah I really don't like being in front of the camera I don't like being in the spotlight um it is a little bit harder for me like even if I just do a selfie or video like that takes a lot out of me to do it and then I don't like it or I critique it or whatever um but that's also to like getting good with yourself and just being like you know what it's out there and whatever but but I don't I don't it definitely works it's just not for me I like things to be natural um so some of my videos are more just like you know someone I'm comfortable with with the camera and we just kind of record stuff and it happens more naturally and yeah if my makeup's done even better (laughs) like um but uh yeah I just like things to be natural I don't like to force things too much um and if I were to to be out there more it would be a lot more forced for me at the beginning, though, right? Because it, it seems like you do agree that that is a good strategy that perhaps, again, I don't know if you're looking for more customers or your personal brand. Because, again, and the reason I'm going into this is because I have the same issue, right? Mm-hmm. I say that I don't care what people think, right? I, I say that all the time. But then I know I should be posting more. You know, like, I think that I do have a different take that people can benefit from, like the mindset, like the positive. And I really want, because I, I think I can help someone, but then... I overthink stuff that, like, who's asking for this? And then, like, you're thinking too much of yourself. And, again, like, I am caring what people say, right? Like I said, you're marketing advertising, and I know I can do much more for my brand, for my hair salon, but I don't. So I'm with you. That's why I'm, I'm, I'm going deep as far as, like, what is it that both of us can do? Because it's not like, oh, no, but I don't need it. Like, we mm-hmm. both do, mm-hmm. but yet, how can we get better at it? Yeah, and, you know, I've had, I also, it's always, like, a balance for me, too, because sometimes I feel like I put myself out there too much. Like, I don't want to Do you feel that way? I don't so much recently because I've pulled back on a lot of my stuff, but but I I don't want to put everything out there, you know? Why? And so, I don't know. I feel like some stuff has to be private. That's why, like, I think I had actually told Tina, my wife, to put her stuff private because I also, like, sometimes people, too, you have to remember I do immigration, so... You know, there are people that hate out there. Um, yeah, so we went through, there was like a, a it was like a weird um, time. So, you know, when the shooting happened? Yeah. Um, I had a tweet. I had put a tweet out. And it was just something about, like, somebody had told me that people weren't going to get medical care because Border Patrol was one of the first people that was on the scene. And so people were scared to go get medical care because they didn't have, um, like, their documents. Paper, like, they were yeah. illegal, right? And so I just randomly put on Twitter with, like, I had been on Twitter for, like, four months. I had, like, five followers. And I just tweeted something like, if anybody is in the hashtag El Paso or whatever area needs medical care, like, give me a call. And I'm an immigration attorney. Like, I'll go with you. Like, and it was not even thinking, like, anything at the time, right? It got retweeted, like, I don't know how many times. Kim Kardashian retweeted it. What? I was getting, like, crazy messages. And it was crazy because on... Most so, of them are positive though, right? No. Well, it depended on the platform. So okay. what was really weird was 
Twitter was really positive. Like people were like, dude, that's awesome that you would offer that. And are like people asking, are you really an immigration attorney? And then getting a lot of people like asking for, hey, can you help me with my immigration status? And it was like, dude, like, you know, um, and then Facebook was a lot of negativity. Like you're trying to benefit off these people oh. with me, not even thinking in my mind, like I would charge people. Like I was genuinely saying like, I will go help you. Like not even thinking that, you know? And then people were like, how you're benefiting off these people. People were like, oh, you're an immigration attorney. You're a cockroach. Like things like that that were really crazy. Yeah, it got a little bit crazy because it was just like a lot of attention at once. You had to for something that, that was not your intent at all. You were just... <sighs> And then how did you deal with that? So it was kind of like, it was it was a good reality check because for me it was like, okay, I do immigration. Like I have to think about that there are people who don't like what I do, you know, and there's always going to be people that don't like you as a person. And so um, that kind of made me like, yeah, you know, there's some stuff that you just don't, shouldn't be out there about your life. Um, and so uh, I think it kind of made me hyper aware of like putting everything out there all the time. Um, and people have access to everything on social media. So it, it was a little bit of a scary situation. Um, for the most part, it was positive. But there were those a couple ones that were just like really nasty that you were like, I don't want these people knowing about my life or knowing, you know, everything about me. So, yeah. yeah. Wow. So interesting. Okay. Thank you so much for sharing this. Again, porque, first of all, I, I feel bad that all the research I did, no no idea about that tweet that you have. Yeah. Oh, my God. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah, it was kind of crazy. Um, And then it was just like, I don't even know. It was like 4 million tweets and or retweets or shares and likes. And, like, it was like, dude, Did you get what? some business from it? Um... Well, there's always like like that name recognition and brand building, you know. Um, so still, I, I feel so bad. No, 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 no. Like I, my research, no salió nada. Yeah, I well, I definitely. It's also um, I have like it, probably if you go to my Twitter page, you would see it on there. But I don't even have it pinned to the top anymore. Um, like it was pinned to the top of my Twitter, and I just don't use Twitter that much. Like honestly, at this, I think too, I'm kind of at the point in my career where I'm like I'm not like actively seeking like clients you know what I mean like we're so busy as it is and people thank god um I kind of already have kind of a following with with my clients and it kind of snowballs from hey my cousin needs help and blah 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 you know so that actually that really does happen and so um yeah we're we're blessed at this point where I'm not like I'm I'm not trying to to be out there I think so that's kind of too why on social media, I've pulled back a little bit and also keep stuff a little bit close to the chest because there are some stuff that I think you shouldn't put out there. Um, and there's not a lot in my life that's not out there, but um, yeah, some stuff should be private. Interesting, because if you recall, like right before before we start, I said, mm -hmm. you know, the one goal that I have for you is because even though you have a lot of things in your um, in your Instagram, mm -hmm. there's a lot of things, but you know what, usually I'm able to see like after like a lot of posts, like what type of personality they like like they have, what type of person they are, and now with you, like <laughs> I'm like okay, you know, so of course everything again makes sense now. Yeah, um, so there is a little private that uh, there that's is good. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I just feel like you can't put everything out there, you know. Like there's still gotta be a little mystery, and you still have to kind of be your own person. I don't know that that it's a hard balance. I feel that way a hundred percent, but I also feel that even at the professional level, just like the non-personal things, you know and I know that we should be sharing much more than we are. Mm -hmm. Like, you know what I mean? So yeah. again, the personal, I, I agree there is some stuff that I don't want, especially like relationship stuff that perhaps later on it's gonna backfire. Tell the, the, 
I follow a lot of people on Facebook que sus novios están ahorita that the love of their life and then in two months ya no and then yeah. in like in a month another and again nothing against them well actually it is against them <laughs> but that self-awareness espérate like that is intelligence that I'm not saying that you by not posting that, but that you labeling someone el amor de tu vida que ya te vas a casar and then another one <laughs> A lot of people say, it's just Facebook. No, it's not Facebook. It is 100% you. Whatever you post, yeah. whatever you do, why not, or not just own it? Y te digo, there's nothing wrong with it. Just own it. No nomás, like, like call it separate. No, no, this is this, and this is that. Everything we do is you, me, you know? But yeah. bueno, interesting. Before we get into cash bar, because I have so many questions, um, <laughs> and, and I wanted to tell you before, but I can no, I'm esperar, because I want to open up a bar. It's been uh -huh. kind of like it's a guy's thing to open a bar, <laughs> and I'll tell you what some of the plans that I have for you. But before I do, mm -hmm. let's talk a little bit about the LGBT plus Q uh -huh. plus community. Uh -huh. I know you created the El Paso uh, Queer Legal System. What is the proper name? I'm sorry. The El Paso Queer Bar Association. This yeah. was two years ago, a year ago? Oh, gosh. No. More well, I think that? at this point, with COVID, I feel like everything's off. Um, I want to say that it's been probably like five years, five or six years. Okay. Right. Yeah, it's been a while. We, Yeah, five probably. President and founder. Tell yes. me why, what is it? Is there a need for it? Was there a need back then? Maybe not too much. Talk to us a little bit about that, please. Yeah, so most of the cities, so when I came to El Paso, I was really shocked that we didn't have an LGBT bar association. So the bar associations are like, um, so for example, there's a female bar association, there's a Hispanic bar association, and they're, they're basically bar associations for attorneys. Um, they're like professional associations for attorneys. Um, and usually, you know, like I said, there's a female, there's a Hispanic, there's, uh, there's a young lawyers association, um, but there wasn't an LGBT one here in El Paso. And so, um, yeah, kind of got a group together, and most of us are allies. Um, what does it mean, allies? Allies means they don't necessarily identify as LGBT oh, okay. um, plus, um, but uh, they just like help. But um, yeah, there was a really there was a really big need for it. Um, I think there's still a big need for it. We're trying to be a little bit more active, but with COVID, it kind of put a damper on a lot of our activities. But yeah, I founded the organization, um, and I'm the current president and um we did this past year we did a run for pride um it actually started at cash and kind of went around the block and it was just kind of like a fun event um to kind of bring the community together um and i think el paso really needs like that positivity um and seeing that you know there are professionals in the lgbt organization um i think it's really important to be visible and be out because me as a kid growing up like I didn't see that necessarily. Um, and so I think it's really important for, for young people who do identify, um, being able to see that you can be a professional, you can have, like for me, I didn't think that I could get married and have a happy life and like the white picket fence and all that to me was like not something that was possible, um, you know, identifying with the community. And so, um, yeah, so I try to be out and let people know that, that, I am and I'm still happy and you know you can be a professional and you can be taken seriously and you can have all the things that you want to have and and be LGBT plus Q T 2s and whatever else you identify as very well said because you said like there is a need for for it right of course because mm -hmm. you said uh, first of all when coming to El Paso there was no, not such community for that mm -hmm. but what are and again you just share that but what are some goals like your your priorities when it comes to that is it for other people to be okay 
being part of a community? Is that one of your major goals? Is it that you can be a professional? That what what are some of the goals for this? Yeah, I think visibility is definitely the biggest thing. Um, we kind of started the organization with the hope of bringing together the professionals that are and attorneys that are um, LGBT and kind of creating these resources for the community, like identifying what needs the community has and then kind of preparing attorneys to meet those needs. Um, and we have a long way to go. There is a lot of work we have to do with the organization. But um, but yeah, that's kind of kind of the goal is to what are, what are the needs the community has? How can we identify those needs and how can we prepare attorneys in order to meet those needs? Um, and so that's kind of kind of what we try to do. So it, 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 it's, it's a lot right now yesterday as I was prepping not only that I prep for several days but as I was doing my research I with my daughter said you know what I I have this question but I don't know if there's first of all if I should ask it if there's <laughs> a way to position it a little bit different just like I said English is my second language so estoy pensando algo digo okay maybe not this way but as you've been open today I, I, I do want to ask you being part of the community, being gay, I don't know uh, since if you if 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 this is something from childhood, how difficult has it been being a professional and also being gay? Again, I know that you don't based on your Instagram account, you don't share your wife is there, but you don't share mm -hmm. like actively, mm -hmm. right? So in my mind, I'm like, I wonder if there is something because hey, I am a professional, and even though uh, LGBT community, the support is there, but at the same time, maybe this might impact has impacted with what you do right now. Well, it was, I think there was definitely a point where, where I kind of had to make a decision, like, am I out or am I not out with it publicly, you know, because I think I'm very blessed in that I have a supportive family, um, that we are in El Paso and El Paso is very supportive. Um, I was kind of surprised by how supportive El Paso is. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it was a con conscious decision to be like, okay, Am I out there with my relationship and my life or is this something that I keep private? Um, and I think ultimately it was like, you know, you have to be who you are. Um, and it's not like I'm going to hide my wife or hide my my relationship or something like that. So, um, but yeah, it, it definitely plays into, it's not that it makes things harder, but I think, you know, being, being LGBT, especially for trans, um, like for people that are trans, it's not an easy life. Um, you know, sometimes when, when people say like, oh, well, you chose to be gay. It's like, we don't choose this life. Like, this is just how we are. And we're born like this. And we don't choose it because it's easy. It's not an easy life. Like, these are things that we have to, to decide because there are biases. And, you know, I do have to think about how are people going to perceive me? Does that mean I lose clients? Does that mean I gain more clients? You know, those are things we have to think about. Um, and so it's not like they're easy. It's easy lifestyles. Um trans people are always in danger like they they face a lot of domestic violence and things like that um and so uh yeah so it's not you know those are things that you have to think about but I don't think it's it's made it harder to be a professional I think if anything like I have more perspective on things I think I can identify with um other minorities a little bit more um but I think I've, I've just been really really blessed to have a supportive family and a supportive community is there room for improvement? Because I, I, I also share with you, as far as, you know, at the community, we, you know, for the most part, but is there room for us to, you know, Paso, common folks, like to be, I don't know if more supportive, but to be different? I think El Paso is very supportive, but I think at the same time, it's like kind of a distant support. Like, like it's not like aggressively anti, you know, but at the same time, I mean, I, I will forever be an advocate for trans um, because... 
the trans community really started the LGBT movement. Um, and like I said, the trans community faces so much discrimination, so much violence. Um, so I'm, I always think that there's improvements that can be made for the trans community. Um, but Is there a large community, trans community here in El Paso? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know comparison-wise to like mm -hmm. other communities, but yeah, there's a big... We actually have amazing drag queens like if you ever get to see a show a, the drag queens in el paso are amazing um but uh but tr but the trans community yeah i always think that there's room for growth with the trans community but that's everywhere not just el paso uh, and, and going back to the, that particular thing again and not talking about trans specifically or or or, or being gay in this case It's more on empathy overall. Like mm -hmm. even going back to the Trump thing that we were talking about mm -hmm. or immigrant or not, just having empathy. Once you have empathy, bro, like that that opens so much things. And and I know we're going a little bit off subject, but I think it's the same exact thing. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you like Bad Bunny or not, right? He <laughs> the, the, There was a recent concert that people were yeah. paying $700, $800. Yeah. And I, like I saw a lot of Facebook hate that, oh, if you like Bad Bunny, first of all, you like crap. Like, it's, it's, it's the worst of the worst, number one. And how would you, like, why do you spend $500, $700 on that? But there were comments, like, hating on that, right? Mm -hmm. And in my take on it, like, I wouldn't pay. I didn't go. I, I wouldn't pay a certain amount. I, I like them to a certain extent, but not $500, like, right? But you cannot judge someone but what they like, Right. And, and I see like a lot that with with um, reggaeton, with Bad Bunny music, with with uh, corridos, with rancheros that people really quick to say nacos. Again, most of my friends are uh, Mexicans, by the way. That's why I'm saying is that they're all like, oh, if you like banda, you're you're a naco. Or if you like Bad Bunny, you're like the worst. And like and, and again, not just general, but those are the the people that first of all didn't go to college. Not that I care about, but but I'm. Mean, it's because you're making it seem like you're the you're the you're the top of the top, right? And again, all it is is that we cannot judge someone, but what you like. If I like Butt Bunny to pay two thousand dollars, congrats, that's your case. Yeah. And I think it translates exactly to mm -hmm. tolerance to gay people to trans. Bro, I understand that that's your thing. Like I fully, I don't share it. I I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't maybe X. But the fact is that that's you and that has to have empathy once you have empathy on other things so it's good you're gonna be good but i think it translates so much into that because again once you see people they're they're not only like people that hate that, that we're talking trash crap about but when you look like no but it's not it's not only that it's also that you have hard opinions on immigration on trump and not that there's nothing wrong with that but at least just hey by the way this is my opinion and i know there's another like like show some empathy on yeah. it And it all goes back to to that. And, and and again, like how supported are we? Just depends on how many people have empathy or not. And I agree with you. Even though we're supportive, meaning that we're not anti, like we don't all oh, hate on. But at the same time, I wonder if people like, but I get it. Mm -hmm. I get it. And for that, again, that, that comes to your parents, how they raised you, how they were raised. It, it's so, I mean, it, it's a lot of things, right? But I think it goes back to that, having empathy. Once you have that, no pasa nada, you know? Yeah, El Paso too. I feel like a lot of people here really like to pull each other down instead of lifting each other up. Um, and I think that's also kind of like a, the the culture. Um, and I don't know. I think we tend to do that to each other a lot. Um, instead of, I feel like I, I get more support. I get a lot of support from like my female friends 
Um, and I think we're really good about being female supportive and stuff like that. But I think El Paso in general, like we kind of like to pull each other down instead of lifting each other up. Why is that? I have no idea. <laughs> if you were to think of one. Like, I, I know, like we say culturally, right? And, and I think that is kind of right. But how, okay, maybe not why, but how can we fix it? Well, I think it goes back to that whole like the mentality and this the mentality of scarcity where it's like there's only so much out there and I want it and you have it and kind of like hating on each other, the, the thing, instead of being like there's so much out there and coming from a place of like, um, you know, abundance. I think it's definitely a mindset in El Paso. I think so. And I, and I didn't share this with you, but um, like I when I started this, I had or I still have in a sense of like a different project going on. My idea and what I my take on it as far as how to fix it, mm -hmm. and I'm telling you this because I had a lot of time to think about this, is that a lot of people miss that different perspective, right? We cannot control who our parents were, like or, or who our parents are. We can't control the circumstances that we were born with, right? If you were white, black, if you had money or not, if if you whatever. And unfortunately, like your parents have traumas, right? And they do not know better and they pass it to us. So the biggest lottery that we can win is who we have as parents, mm -hmm. right? So going back to kind of like the project, what, what I think that a lot of people need, it's a different perspective, right? Like I get it that your parents maybe were not the right perspective, but if you were, what about if you were to hear someone like yourself, like Alex, like, uh, I don't know, like Chelsea, like someone that just has a different perspective, woman empowerment, different things on, on like the, the way you view life at 15, at 20. Yeah. I can guarantee you that there's going to be a seed. There's going to be something. As you get older, I mean, it's hard to, I mean, you have it your way. So even if I give you the the, the best talk ever, you're going to be like, eh, nonsense, right? But at right age, I think that once you get a different perspective and you really see that they're happy, you're like, hmm, okay. Maybe I don't agree 100% and it's not like I'm going to change. Oh, okay. Well, now, but just hearing that different perspective, right? So my take on it, on this is like offering people a different perspective and hopefully later on I can do that, a different perspective on different things. Yeah. And again, I based a lot of things on, on my friends and the people that I follow. And I'm like, you know what? This person that is getting married for the fifth time in three years, <laughs> not that if that's how you feel, that's fine, but they have to hear a different perspective from someone on, on how to either trust, Post public, uh, I, I have like, I don't have the best example for that right now, but there is, if you notice someone that you think right now, they're not in a good place. Yeah. You can blame them for hating, for not, for not working hard enough for being with bonus. Yes. For, for, for a lot of things. But then you look at their family and you're like, Oh, pues sí, pero de donde? like yeah. the truth is that like you're asking this guy to be at this level, but then they were, they, they grew up at this level. And not that, oh, pobrecitos, they're always right, but there has to be a balance, some empathy that says, okay, not everything is their fault, yeah. right? Yeah, well, that goes back to the, like, naive, where you haven't been exposed to anything other than what you know, you know? But yeah. bueno, enjoy that conversation. Te digo que I get passionate about some stuff, y lo me voy en mis viajes, but yeah. I appreciate that. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. <laughs> all right, and we're back from our break. Sorry. <laughs> I had to go to the restroom, my bad. <laughs> it's the first time in 27, 28 episodes that I have to go to take break. Take a break. <laughs> yeah, that I have to take a break. So anything else we want to add? I just, I, just, I just think that it's so important. And again, and I 
again, I, I'm a single parent. My my daughter tells me all these stories from, like like from her friends. I'm like, oh, that really sucks. And then when I ask about their parents, when there's something negative, oh yeah, yeah I have they have this issue, they have the other one. And if you really want to blame the parents, it's not their fault. It's just the way, you know, like yeah. so the biggest lottery, it is who, yeah. who our parents are because based on that, there's so many things. Of course, you have the, the, the people and you have this all the time that maybe they were not born to the great family. They were born with very poor circumstances, but then they make it. Yeah, but that is 5% out of 100, right? Yeah. So if there is a way to impact others, that would be great. Yeah. Um, and I know maybe I'm going to regret this, but I'm going to talk about, like, for example, there's a social media account, right? Uh -huh. And I really like, I think it's very fun. It's one that El Paso, like, it's the most popular account, Instagram account in El Paso, right? You, mm -hmm. There's news and, oh, okay, let me hear from this source first, right? Yeah. Um, and, and, and again, I really like it. I follow it. I love it. Oh, by the way, with Tommy, which if you're listening to this, you guys did me wrong. There was talking about his salary, right? Um, um, my take was that I, I was kind of like defending that based on the value that he brings X, right? But then there was a take that day, like a picture, like a still picture of me, like having a face <laughs> like this. I'm like, these guys, they could have picked a better picture. But bueno, going back to the issue, the, uh, the, the one thing that I recommend that I really don't like is that the majority of the followers for that account are high school people, middle uh -huh. school, high school people. And if you notice the account, eight out of 10 posts are negative. Mm -hmm. Something, alguien se robó algo, um, uh, someone did something yeah. wrong. And again, of course you have to, like, that is funny, especially the take that they, that, that they put it on it. It's funny. But then when you look at comments, right, the comments, most of them, ay, el paso otra vez, mm -hmm. ay, el paso this, or ay, el paso wrong again, or, and, and, and the problem with that is that, like, for you or for me, like, hey, like, we can see that and we understand that there's, but I mean, like that is something that you show, but that's not the big picture and you get it, right? But teens, middle school, high school, if they see nine out of 10 posts, something negative about our city, about like whoever, what's in their brain? Uh -huh. el, paso, el paso is crap. Yeah. And that's a, the thing that, that, that I'm teaching my daughter to as, as much as possible, like, but the truth is that there's a different perspective. There's a different way. Of course, they're not gonna highlight people like yourself or other th the things. They do highlight positive, but based on comparison, it's not even close, right? But why is it? Because they want to sell, right? That's what sells. And of course, if I'm the owner of that, I would do the same thing. Well, bueno, let me take it back. Maybe not the <laughs> same way. But the truth is that I understand the reason why. But most of our young people, ven todo eso y que piensan que el paso es crap. That el paso is full of of, of people like the ones that they showcase. And that's my issue with that. So that's why one of the reasons, another reason I'm doing this podcast, just for people to know about other people like doing pretty cool stuff, that they're pretty cool people. Now, am I or, or, or stuff like this gonna have the same audience, the same eyeballs? I don't know, of course not. But that's how hopefully, uh, hopefully like, like you can change or you can influence somebody's perspective a little bit. Yeah. And it is super important. I think we're on the same page with travel and people underestimate how important travel is because you have to get out of your bubble and you have to see other perspectives. And yeah, so we're on the same page with that for sure. Nice. Thank you so much. <laughs> but when I, I want to thank you for your time. I know, again, I, I didn't ask you if you had a, a, a heart stop or anything. I never do because if there is, like I get nervous. <laughs> and, okay, well, let me see what questions to ask. But definitely we need to talk about Johnny Cash Bar. Now mm -hmm. Cash Bar only. I'm mm -hmm. sure I'm assuming there's something with the name that you have to rename it mm -hmm. to Cash. First of all, you opened this in 2020. 
mm-hmm. mid pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> why and how and yeah, talk to us about. I know you like music, but I don't think your like of music it's good enough for you to own a bar. Yeah. So. I've been in the industry, so a lot of people don't know. Everyone thinks it's kind of like it came out of nowhere. Um, I've been in the industry since I was 17 years old. Um, my first job was actually at Hudson's um, across from Hanks. So I started there when I was 17 as a hostess, um, and then I became a server, um, and then I've been in the industry pretty much since then. I bartended and served my way through college um, and law school even. So I've been in the industry forever. When I came back to El Paso, I really wanted to open a place. I was really frustrated at the time with, um, and even still, uh, the service at a lot of places. Um, so I've been wanting to do it for a really long time. And then, uh, yeah, I think it was just kind of a combination of a lot of things happening at the same time. You know, the pandemic, um, immigration, the Im- everything at the immigration office kind of just slowed down a little bit where, where things just kind of slowed And I was just feeling really like that anxiety again where it was like, I got to do something. I want to do something else. Um, Did you know it was a bar or you knew it was something else, but you did not know what? I've been wanting to do a bar for a really long time. Yeah, a bar and restaurant had been in the works for a long time. There was a period when I was trying to do like a wine bar thing and it just wasn't. It was feeling a little forced at the time, so I kind of let it go. Um, And then everything just kind of aligned with cash. And so, um, yeah, it used to be Johnny Cash. Now it's just cash. Um, and yeah, everything just kind of lined up to, to, to why know. opening a bar? Like I, I get it that you always want to open a bar, but and like, uh, like I said, I want to open a bar. I think that's a, a guy thing that, oh, having your own place to drink. But what was it? Was it like you always want to have a bar because of the significance of being a bar owner? What, what was it? Well, it's just what I know, you know, okay. it's the industry I know. It's um, fun atmosphere. You, you like that. For me, it honestly was just, it's. Probably the one thing I know more than even practicing law. Um, like being in it since I was 17, um, I knew the ins and outs. I've worked in so many places. Um, like I couldn't even probably tell you the number of different places that I've worked at. Um, in El Paso, I, I used to work at Aceitunas in the summer. Um, and that would be like my summer job in college. And it was um, a lot of fun, I'm sure. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. But for me, it wasn't really like about the fun. I mean, I definitely... Um, it's, it's a good change from practicing law, but it really is just like an industry I know. And, um, one of the things that's really frustrating for me is everyone kind of thinks that it was like off the wall, like, why did you do this? Or, you know, what do you even know about it? Or, um, a DJ, (laughs) a DJ the other day, um, who's like super condescending was like, I've been in the industry for 12 years. I was all like, okay, good for you, you know? But um, yeah, I mean, it's an industry that I just really know inside and out. And so for me, it was like kind of a point of frustration that like there were places in El Paso that I was just like, dude, I can't even get a drink when you go there. Why do people, why do so many people go there, you know? And so I was like, well, I can do this better. I can have a place that's better than this. So um, yeah, that's kind of where it came from. And then it was also just, yeah, like, Things were slow with the, the law practice. And it was like, right now is the time that I can do it. I can like kind of dedicate to it. And, you know, before we opened, it was like being there every day painting and, you know, doing the actual construction and stuff like that. And I had the time to do it that would probably have never been able to do if it wasn't for COVID. So everything just kind of lined up. And it was one of those things where I was just like, let's pull the trigger. Let's do it. And it brings you so much happiness having a project, working on it, right? Having that, I love it, yeah. yeah. I'm definitely, like I said, like an entrepreneur at heart. Like I really enjoy building a business. Yeah, that's fun for me. 
Wow. Now, back to what you said that people thought like, hey, like the out of an immigration lawyer opening a bar, but that once you, again, we, we haven't interacted before this, but looking at your Instagram account, like, no, I, I know about Pele Entertainment, right? Mm -hmm. Which at first I thought it was after the soccer player, like, oh, because I'm a soccer fan <laughs> yeah. and it wasn't, no, uh, it wasn't that. But then music lawyer, like it, there is a reason why, I mean, the flow of everything in your life that has happened, right? Everything is really coming full circle. Like I do feel um, like everything has kind of come full circle because, you know, we have we're able to have now a platform that musicians can play it. There's so many bands that that I would love to have play. Like when I did have bands, we did a summer concert series last summer and it was just so freaking cool to be like, this is my bar and this is a band that I want playing. And like it just felt really good. Like it was it was totally full circle. So it was really cool. The coolest thing that you have done, and I'm only saying this because I'm a <laughs> cowboy fan. I remember again we're 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 neighbors here, huh? So on Sundays I used to see I don't know if a flag but a banner mm -hmm. that the or even on social media about the, the, the official 49ers. 49er <laughs> fan club, no sé qué. And then what I noticed, because I also follow Cash Bar, that no, here's where the Cowboys fan are at. I'm like, ah, I could just hear or, or imagine that conversation with the someone from 49ers that, ¿Qué crees, bro? <laughs> like, I have good news <laughs> and bad news. Yeah. Like, tell us a little bit about that. Was I it fun would... telling them that, hey, you're no longer welcome here? It has um... to be a little bit. <laughs> I would love to say that we kicked them out. Like, I would Ooh. love to say that. But that's not actually what happened. They did me dirty. Oh. Um, so we, when I took over, they, they came to me and they told me, well, you know, like, uh, the 49ers have, have been here for a long time. Do you want to keep the 49ers? Um, and I was like, well, you know, if this is their home, um, yeah, I'm open to it. You know, business is business. They bring in business. Like, that's cool. And we sat down and we had talks. Like, this was even bef before we even opened the place, you know, okay. I think. And I told them, you know, you guys are so welcome here and, you know, we're everything to make you guys comfortable and what can we do? And, um, you know, business is business, man. So if you guys bring in people like we're cool, um, I am a diehard Cowboys fan. Like my dad is a diehard Cowboys fan. My family's diehard Cowboys fans. But um, but yeah, this is your home. You know, you guys are so welcome here. And then two weeks before and they sat down with me, looked me in the eye. I'm loyal. We are loyal to you. All these other places are trying to steal us, blah, 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 blah. Two weeks before the season start, they left us. Um, and at first I was like, damn, like two weeks before the season starts. Um, but honestly, that's why, like, again, like I'm just, everything happens for a reason, man. Like, and so when it happened, it was like, damn, well, what are we going to do now? Like we, we're two weeks before the season starts. But um, we were just really, really blessed to find a Cowboys group that was looking for a bar. And it's just been like harmony. Like they're so chill. Um, the crowd is just like our vibe. Um, and it was just like it was a divine timing. Like everything was just good. Everything in that place is like right now, I feel like the spirits are clean. The good, the karma is good there right now. And I do the food is delicious, by the way. Oh, thank Their you. Their nachos are pretty good. Yeah. And then we have the dollar tacos on Tuesday. You have I to come am, on. Yeah. For so yeah, it's great. And honestly, it's like, it just like warms my heart when I get there and I see like the, the Cowboys flags outside. Like it's great. It's good. Yeah. So, Typical um, so it wasn't, fans, right? yeah, I train. Okay. Well, <laughs> yeah. I mean, they literally sat down, looked me in the eye. <laughs> We're loyal, you know, and so, um, yeah, so as <laughs> I would like to say that uh, that we kicked them out, but that that's actually not what happened. They left us. <sighs> I would so. have loved if the story was like that. Oh, okay. Yeah. But it went that way. <laughs> but it went on. Now, let, let, let's go back to you. I mean, you still had this passion for bar. I, 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 I see that. But 
you opened it in COVID. Like, this is 2020 when, you know what? We don't know if we're going to live tomorrow or not, right? <laughs> so I'm sure you had a lot of doubts. I'm sure knowing a little bit about you now, you thought about this for a long time. Not opening the bar, but okay, do I open it now? Do I open it this location? Do I open this particular one, right? What was your 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 um your process there? What happened? Walk us through as far as what made you pull the trigger there. Um, I'm a I'm a big believer in like letting things happen when they're supposed to happen and and kind of going with my intuition. And you know that contradicts a lot of the things that you have said. <laughs> and I'm sorry to interrupt you because, like, I I understand that. Pero cuando me dices about your history and maybe that's right now, like, pero me that something doesn't make sense. Like what? Well, first of all, anxiety, overthinking, like yeah. that tells me that, oh, espérame, like not that I go with my, my with my gut, like that I yeah. have to a lot. And now you tell me, oh, but I just thought about it. Lo well, maybe like, I have to be like that because of the anxiety. Like I have to let things happen when they're supposed to happen okay. or else like it makes me more anxious. I don't know. I so don't know. what happened right. in 2020? I'm sorry. <laughs> so it was just, I, everything just kind of lined up. Um it was kind of like this combination of wanting to do this, um, the location being available. Uh, I felt good about the space, um, like walking in there, the vibes and stuff. It just felt good. Um, I felt like there was so much potential for growth in that space um, and in the location that we're at in the city. Um, I mean, we're one of the most populated zip codes like in the country, um, densely populated. So, uh, yeah, it just it felt right. Um, I was... It was really hard because COVID is something you just cannot plan for. Like as a business person, it's just so there was nothing that we could do to say, okay, yeah, we know we've got this for three more months or whatever. Um, So that was definitely a big, big variable. And I talked to my wife about it a lot. um, But I mean, ultimately, everything just felt it felt right. So that was kind of. (laughs) <laughs> and I think too, like we were in Texas, so um, it was. It's really. It was a really, really hard time for me because my wife is in the healthcare industry, mm. um, and then at the same time, it was like it's this industry where people gather, you know. So that was people drink in El Paso. I mean, okay. Yeah, and we do want more people there. I mean, that's ultimately sales, you know. And so, but then it's kind of going against everything with COVID and people doing being together. So it was kind of a really hard balance to reconcile. But we tried to do everything really safe, like from the get go, with the build outs and stuff like that. Um, it was always kind of in the back of my mind, and I, I, I felt that people this was going to be long term. People were going to feel um, like they wanted to be in places where they were safe, and a lot of places weren't really catering to that. So we kind of tried to come from that place when we first started opening, like before we opened and we're doing some of the construction. So we like separated out some of the booths. We really focused on the patio. Um, And so, yeah, I did kind of feel like it was going to be a long term and we were going to have a lot of PTSD from COVID. Um, And so I kind of went into it with that mindset. But yeah, it is. It was really hard to reconcile. It was almost like two different parts of my brain because... Um, you know, I'm not you trying. You were hearing these stories about what's happening in our city. And then, hey, I want people to come to my place. Yeah. And then you're hearing like, oh, well, the hospital. And then my wife literally like is at the hospital, like seeing the, the hallways full of people and then being like, OK, well, and then we're opening a bar, you know. So it was hard to reconcile that in my in my head and in my brain and I had to kind of wrap my hands around it. But the the best way that we felt to do it was to like create a safe space and make sure that people felt safe in there. But honestly, what we just started to find, and I don't know if it's just an El Paso thing, but people just, like, wanted to go out and be around people. Yeah. So. 
Yeah. What has been the biggest challenge? I know that you have like work in the industry that you know a lot of things already, but once you own it, what has been the biggest challenge so far? I think I've learned a lot about myself. Mm. Um, yeah, just kind of like patient, patience with other people. Um, and and kind of like you already uh, had employees right at your firm of course mm -hmm. right and you dealt with hey like deadlines and stuff like that but what was different with dealing with people in a bar well first of all it's a big space so we have a lot more employees mm -hmm. um i mean i went from having like six employees to having like 30 employees you know so it was wow. it was a lot yeah um but I have I I think I have to learn I had to learn a lot of patience with myself and patience with other people because for me like in my head it would be like okay I want service to be at 100 but it's like we don't have any servers that are already trained we have to train them up and then that takes time and you have to be patient with it um, so little things like that so I think I learned a lot about myself from opening this business for sure yeah what what specifically is it patience is it dealing with other people is it accepting that there's some stuff that you're just not going to be able to fix at the moment is it mm -hmm. everything i mean i'm a business owner and i of course it's a learning um i mean it, it's a learning thing day by day but what has been like boom this is it the one thing i had to adapt i i think honestly it was the, was patience because because yeah. i am like like that anxious type person that's like okay no like i want my i want all my servers to be on it all the time and it's like you know, it takes time to get there. We need to train them the way that we want them to serve. Um, patience with other people. Um, and also, like, like, I don't, just, uh, you know, you, you see the people that support you. Like, I, I have a lot of friends that are super, super su supportive. And then I have some people that, that will have a party somewhere else. And I'm like, oh. <gasps> Why are you not having a party at my Don't bar? tell me you think that way because I have a really good take on it. I'm not going to say it right now. Porque, really? Yeah. And, and it's like, and then it just has to be like, you know what? It's okay. Don't take it personal. Like there's a lot of other places in El Paso. And you know what? Sometimes people don't support you even though you support them. And people are going to support you the way that they want to support you. And and even sometimes too, like, yeah, egos. There's a lot of egos in this industry. Um, a lot of other uh bar owners and most of them are male mm -hmm. um you know that even that are your supposed friends that that maybe don't support you or don't necessarily want you to succeed you know and it's like you just kind of have to brush it off and kind of patience and and not letting your ego get in the way of things Wow. So I think those are two big things that I've kind of had to learn. About we, we really need to stay in touch after this because I have so many different takes on so many different things that you just said. I'm like, <laughs> well, but in my head, like, no, espérate, cállate la boca. Okay, but tell me your take on okay. people going to... Okay, let me, let me, let me... Coste, lo pediste, eh? <laughs> so, and, and this is because I saw a post yeah. on Facebook I, uh, and I uh -huh. even save them. Um, today or yesterday. Close friends que dicen, it's easier to make a customer your friend than your friend to be your customer. Yeah. I 100% true. Mm -hmm. But overall, that's a positive thing. Let me tell you. That's, again, my opinion, right? Like, I have a hair salon, and I have some friends that come, and a lot more that don't, right? But that is something that 
I 100%, not even once, digo, ¿por qué no van a cortarse? Not even once. Mm -hmm. Because there's so many factors that you do not know. And if I put myself in the perspective that that's a negative, you will find a negative. But in reality, that can be a positive. Like, for example, right now I'm short-staffed, right? So I cannot have full service. La neta, I wouldn't want them with the service that maybe we provided that maybe they have to wait longer or maybe they, they had a haircut that it wasn't to my standards. So, sabes que, I'm glad that happened, right? If a girl wants to do the hair with somebody else, sabes que, at this point, no pasa nada. Like, I 100% get it. And maybe I have to separate our friendship. This is mm -hmm. our friendship and this is our... And I'm sure you even have a lot of business owner friends that you just don't go to the shop, C coffee shop. You don't go to their their bars, their libraries. I, I don't know. You you tell me. But is it because you don't think of them because you envy them or because of of you have hate or because you don't want to support them? No. It's just that maybe that other person provides better service. Yeah. Yeah. So I wanted to actually want to do a video, which I'm not going to do based <laughs> on what we said. That, but I mean, like, if you have that mindset, first of all, I never open up this place thinking, oh, my friends and family are going to come. Mm -hmm. Never. Because if you do open up a place thinking of that, yeah, well, at least. Because that's, but don't. But if you have that, you know what that is, in my opinion, that's just an excuse. If I'm thinking that, sabes que, maybe I'm not doing as well because my friends, are, that's just an excuse for your lack of execution somewhere else. Yeah. So my take on it is like, but I mean, like, and you can tell me that's just a Facebook post. No, but that's just the way you think, right? Like maybe I, for example, my taxes, I have a very close friend that does taxes as a tax company. I don't do my taxes with them. Why? I personally, money, like, no quiero que nadie sepa cuánto gano. There's just something, una trauma que tuve from when I was small, whatever it is. But do I love my friend? I love him and I will do anything else. Yeah. And we have different ways to show our support. Maybe I'm not going to go to business, but if he tells me, he calls me at four in the morning, hey, recogeme, ¿qué crees? I'm going to go pick yeah. him up. Yeah, of course. So that's how I feel about that particular thing. Mm -hmm. So, and then I have another take on envy. If you want to talk about, a little bit about hate, that I have chosen to believe that hate doesn't exist. Envy, sorry, envy. When people say, oh, haters, don't listen to the haters. Mm -hmm. Okay, unless they do something physically, like que te peguen, que te traen, que te hablen, something like for sure. But if there's, if these are just thoughts and words, my take in is, I don't believe in it. I 100% believe, and I'm, I'm being honest with you, I have never thought that someone, oh, es que me, he hates on me. Like I have cool things going on in my life. I have done several cool things, but I have never once said, oh, es que tiene envidia. No, la envidia, I choose to think that doesn't exist. Unless it's physical, que me haga algo, que me digan algo. Oh, of course, right? But if it's just thoughts or because he didn't like a post or because he didn't, he doesn't come and cut his hair at all. Yeah. And I think that contributes to how happy I am. Going mm -hmm. back to your piece, I, I even talk to people that owe me money. Like, mm -hmm. para que veas, like, I don't, I won't, I'm not stupid. I won't lend the money again. <laughs> Pero todavía no pasa nada. You know what? Yeah. Nothing like that. And a lot of people say, es que tú te pasas de buena onda. You know what? So far has served me. Like I, to be honest, I'm at the right place. I'm, I'm, I'm a happy person, a hundred percent. No, no, I'm not lying. I'm like you, you. You have no idea how happy I am. Do I smile all the time? No, no, no. It's por eso. Just back to what you said. It, the fulfillment that from recording you, from meeting you, from talking to you. This is something that oh, this is really good, and I'm gonna take back. Right. Yeah. In moments like this, and when there's something negative, pasana. You know, yeah. and that's what makes sure. And that's my take on that. Yeah. Back well, to you. <laughs> <laughs> well, and even if it does exist, it's, it's not your problem, right? I mean, it's not the, uh, I think 
was my wife who said something like and and it's from somewhere else that like anger is like a hot rock or like a not necessarily anger but like hatred anything anything like that is like a hot rock that you hold in your hands and it's only just burning you it's not doing anything Mm -hmm. to the person that you're feeling that towards so yeah i mean that's not your problem even if it does exist right it's that person's problem i had this conversation with several friends and they go okay les digo i choose not to believe that envy exists and they say that's Tonto, pendejo, like, what? Is it okay? I, I need you to help me with this. Is there any negative, is there any downside of me thinking, of me choosing? Is there anything that you can say by you choosing not to believe in hate, or I'm sorry, envy, tell me what will be a, a, an actual um, result, negative result that I'm going to get? And then they start thinking, like, pues no, like, unless it's physical, pero, like, by me choosing that there is no envy, there's no haters, like, is that wrong? Because I can't, I cannot think of one thing that, oh, but I mean, if you think this way, this might happen to you. No, because unless well, you, you choose, you choose to believe in your own mind that envy doesn't exist, which it doesn't. It's not, you know, like it, there's so many things on that. Well, then that's one of the things that it talks about in that book that I'm telling yeah. you about. It talks about, um, you know, when you're feeling that like anger or jealousy or something towards somebody else, you have to turn it around. And that's the self-talk because you're, if you're thinking that you're coming from a, a place of scarcity, like I'm jealous that you have this success because that that means that there's only so much success out there. Instead, I need to wish you more love and more success because there's so much success out there. Yeah, that, um, you so. know what has helped me a lot as well? That um, frame of thought, but another one as well. Like m- me selecting, choosing which think positive trait that I think I have in my perspective thinking about that mm-hmm. I had people here that are even millionaires to be honest with you I like very successful things right but when I have a conversation like that and with happiness like I'm happier like I'm happier than this person right even though you might seem that successful I'm happier and in my book of life, happiness is what matters the most. So in my book, I'm more successful. And with that said, te digo, I choose to think that's the metric to kind of like based on that. And because of that, that allows me to, again, a lo mejor estoy mal. I'm sure maybe if I based it on, on, on the, maybe I'm wrong, but if by me choosing to focus on the trait that you're good at, it's serving me well. Because to me, I'm like, sabes que esta persona puede tener... But to be honest, I'm in a better place in my book. But I know that what I'm doing, I'm choosing to think my perspective. Because if I go to my perspective, oh, you know what? Happiness or success is going to be money-wise or position. Oh, me falta mucho, so I shouldn't be happy. Then I'm choosing to suffer Vioki. So I'm, again, everything, it's a choice, to be honest. Yeah. Everything, it's a choice. So at least I'm making the right choice that it's serving me. And I try this. They go, it's a work in progress. Claro que si veo a alguien very successful y que tiene mi edad, todo digo, oh, I should. But as far as envy, uh, you know. Yeah. Well, and it's definitely it's definitely a way of re- weeding out, you know, your ride or dies. Like the people that that do support me are definitely like they're but they're what my if ride they or don't? dies. Don't we go back to the point? What if your best friend doesn't go to your bar? Are they not supporting you? it's not the end of the world like honestly but that's that's the thing is that it's like your ego you know and so that's some of the things that i'm that i'm saying that you had to that i had to learn about myself was like 
like patience and not letting my ego get in the way because it's like if they don't want to go hang out at my bar it's nothing personal you know it's not against me um but yeah the ones that (laughs) do go are like hardcore like i know those people freaking love me you know and sometimes you know what the best ones are like friends que a veces que vengo like i'm not here 24 i'm here like twice a week or three times that i'm like oh i i know you from work yeah i'm a regular customer but then there's others that will send me a picture of oh look where i am and i'm sure you've seen that well are you doing it to support me like 100 percent? and and if yes why are you doing that picture validation to hey i need you to see that i am here <laughs> Am I overthinking? Maybe. But the truth is that it was pretty cool. Like that guy, que, oh, yo vengo aquí every Thursday or Wednesday or whatever. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Nunca me dijo, and that felt even better than the friend that sends me, eh, look where I am cutting my hair. Thank you. Of course. But is it forced now? Is it like, why do you want me to know? Like, are you really? Like, I have one of a very uh, close friends that, él no viene, no nada. And he's one of those that... I, I really, he has a gambling problem, by the way. And I had to say <laughs> that because that, that, you know who I'm talking about. Nada de, like, I don't talk about him on business because he has a different mindset on, on goals, on grown, uh, growth mindset. Very different from me. Mm-hmm. But that's the only person that I would call at four in the morning if I'm drunk. That's the only person <laughs> that I know that he will pick me up. Only friend. And I know a lot of people. Yeah. But then is it? fair for me to judge the others no it's just different categories different mm-hmm. thing in sh- showing empathy with everybody yeah yeah but bueno, i want to go back to the bar because i have an idea that i want to run by you and you tell me <laughs> if it's stupid okay? <laughs> okay hopefully you can tell me like i want to own a bar right i mm-hmm. it's been in my mind but i do not know if i want to own it because i know it's a good business, by the way. I, I look at the margins. You go, oh, si esta cerveza te cuesta esto, and then you sell it for this, and then you sell this amount of, and then, the, like, I have done my math and stuff, right? So I really think that a successful business, of course, it's very profitable, right? And I'm like, I want to open up a board next. But before I actually invest my money, my time, and everything else, I want to work as a bartender mm-hmm. for, I don't know, three, six months, maybe longer, Right. But I really want to be there, picking up the trash, doing everything. Of course, I'll be with the mindset of, okay, let me look at the the profits, how much we made, how difficult is it with the employees, the bartenders, other folks. Like, do we have to have food? Do we not? Because I know now it's the kitchen, now it's the kitchen staff. There's so many things, right? And I number one thing I want to know if I'm doing this just for the fun factor. What is the fun factor? To drink every day, basically, to for you to have that fun. Or am I really doing it for, like, I'm here to learn. So I want to, like, yo no sé, but, uh, so that's why I want to work there. And I will still have my, my job, right, that I've been there for 15 years, which I love. I still want to have my hair salon, but I want to be just, pagame three, I don't know how much you pay your bartenders, <laughs> but I don't know if it was more than the waiters, waiters at $3. But I'm okay kind of starting from the bottom, because I want to do that. Yeah. Is that a good idea? Yeah, we'll hire you a cash. No me digas eso, because I want to open a different profile bar, a little bit more Mexican. So I do want to go with that well, route. S- or it doesn't matter. I don't know. Maybe you're right. Maybe it doesn't well, matter. I'm a big believer in being able to do anything within your business. Um, like I, even at the law office, I mean, I can answer the phones. I can take a payment. I can, you know, 
at the bar, I do everything when I'm there. I mean, I'm busing, I'm serving drinks. Um, so I'm a big believer in being able to do any role in your business. So yeah, of course, I think that that's absolutely necessary. I, that's why it's a little bit frustrating to me when people think mm. that I don't have experience or I don't know what I'm doing like in the industry. Like I've done it all. I do it all. Um, so yeah, I, I, that's not a bad idea at all. I mean, you should understand what the busboy does, what the server does. What or even if you like the does. business or not, what if you want to open a, yeah. a pawn store, right? Mm-hmm. Like, is it a good idea to put out the, before I invest my money? Because I don't like know anything about it. Is it a good idea to, so I'm going to start working here for a little bit. Yeah, and you've got to like it, too. Yeah. yeah, like, what if you don't like it? Um, I mean, that sucks. <laughs> what so. if you see that the margins are not there, right? Or how difficult it is to attract customers? Or, I mean, there's so many other factors. The the, the, the yeah. people, the, the, how difficult it is to get waitress. From what I gather, bartenders, for example, there's so many bars, right? Mm-hmm. And the demand for someone good-looking. I don't think your profile of the bar is, like, for good-looking females, right? I don't know if it is. Maybe you do. But I wouldn't open that type of bar because of the competition. Mm-hmm. So I kind of want to get my hands dirty to be like, oh, let's get this business really hard. And it is money, but it's not worth my time. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you, you, yeah, it's not a bad idea. Okay, good. I have no problem, like, starting from, like, like people don't know the story. Like, imagine if you were to see me as a bartender. Ahorita, like, with, I know you don't follow me on social media. You don't know anything about me. But some people say, like, without knowing nothing, like, oh, what happened with this guy? Now it's a waiter, you know? Like, but it's not, like, it's they're not bad jobs. No, like, no, yeah. They're, they're, that's another, like, thing with perspective, too. Mm-hmm. Like, you can change the perspective by bartending. So there you go. Yeah. <laughs> the best, the funnest, funnest is that a word? The most fun job that I have ever had has been a waiter. I was a waiter, like, yeah. for four years back when I was 16. That was the best job ever. Everybody should work in the service industry at some point. Yeah. But it's been already two hours. Thank you (laughs) so much. Let me ask you my last questions. Okay. Just to recap, (laughs) what brings you most joy of everything you do? Um, I know if you want to say your family, of course, that's valid. But what what brings you most joy? I know maybe it's a combination of everything. Like, hey, this. But your perspective, looking back, I really enjoy this. What would it be? You mean like professionally or like just anything? How about both? Um, so just like overall, I think I get a lot of joy being around my family. So like when we can just relax and have fun. Um, like we went to dinner for my birthday and it was just like When really was your nice. birthday? I know it was. The 12th, February 12th. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> I'm a brat and I celebrate for like a week at least. Um, but yeah, we went to dinner. So just being around my family and just like, you know, having fun. Um, I get a lot of joy from that. Uh, professionally, uh, being able to help people. And I think that's really important too, to be successful. Like, I think you have to ultimately be in service of others. And so, um, yeah, being able to help people. And I get it. And and I had had this discussion with so many people, even friends that once you get to a level that you feel fulfilled or happy, you know, what's next? You want to share it. Like you do find joy helping somebody else mm-hmm. and for that person to say hey this like this helped me <sighs> yeah and it's really great too when like my employees tell me i look up to you or you know i admire you and and people kind of look up to that that doing your own thing building your own business and being successful like that that brings me a lot of joy too 
Nice. Perfect. Thank you. What are your future goals, plans? Talk to us about what, where do you see yourself in five, 10 years, maybe 23 years? Not that good, but <laughs> talk to us about your future, what you want. Um, I want to probably semi-retire in about a year and a half to two years. Ooh, okay. Yeah. Um, well, Tina's going to start her medical rotations in about a year and a half. So we probably will have to leave El Paso. So when that happens, um, yeah, I'd like to be able to kind of semi-retire and travel back and forth. Ooh, um, an but opportunity to open, to sell your bar. <laughs> <laughs> well, the goal is hopefully to be able to like kind of be in and out, you know, with both businesses. Um, and then uh, I want to live in Italy. That's my goal. Like I want to have exactly? a house. I would really like to be probably somewhere along the Amalfi Coast. Yeah. Is that so. north or south? Uh, like south of Rome. Okay. Yeah, okay. but kind of like north. But still in the middle, right, of Italy? A little bit in the okay. middle, yeah. Um, I want a house like on the beach by the water. Yeah. That's wow. like five, six-year goal. Which is not that long. No. What active steps are you taking to achieve that? Saving, looking around, manifesting. I know that for sure. Mm -hmm. But what are some active things you're doing to reach your goal? A lot of manifesting, yeah, um, and also kind of long-term planning. And that was, I think, part two of also part of getting healthy mentally and like kind of breaking those cycles, you know, of of being in that same kind of mind frame and, and life cycles. And that kind of ties into all of that. So I think all of that was kind of part of like long-term planning um, to be able to be at that place uh, and kind of setting up my businesses so that that's set up that way. feasible. Yeah. yeah. How long have you been with your partner? Um, I know you married her 2018, if uh, my stocking is oh correct. Oh, gosh. <laughs> 2017? Oh, I think okay. we got married. Close. We met okay. in 2012. Oh, uh, okay. There you go. That, yeah. that that was my question, how long. And and how cool it is to, you know, I don't know your wife at all, but to share a goal. I'm going to send you that podcast because it talks about relationships. How Please do. Yeah, I want to hear it. it. It's, it's something else. but it's, it's super important. Like, your partner in life is super important. Yeah. Um, and you have to be on the same level and you have to be just as ambitious as each other and you know uh she's gonna start working and i'm gonna retire so <laughs> um but yeah it's 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 cool that we that we're, we both have goals you know and that we're our own people and doing our own thing but then at the same time like supporting each other and that so yeah it's That's so cool. cool and it sounds like you guys have been i'm sure that also yourself you have supported her in so many different ways and it's so cool to hear that. And then when you hear that dynamic or what the goal like, like normally there is a common trend. There is something out there to learn. Like, okay, I get it, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm going to send you the podcast so you can read it. <laughs> so you can get an, a better idea of what I'm talking about. Okay, cool. But my last question, this is something that if it is true that you will have seen some of my episodes, hopefully you've seen them towards the end. There is the, the last question, which is, what is one thing you like or love about El Paso? And what is mm -hmm. one thing that you will change or improve about our city one of the things i really i think el paso is really unique because of being a border city i think we have a very unique perspective um i think it does make us very uh empathetic to other people that other cities aren't necessarily because we're not as exposed to as they're not exposed to as much stuff as we are here on being a border city um, so that's one of the things, and the food. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, we have a lot of good food. Um, one thing that I don't like is that mentality of scarcity. I feel like a lot of people are very like, um, like hate on each other. 
instead of supporting each other, lifting each other up. Um, and I, I don't like that. I think it's like a cultural thing in El Paso. I don't know if it's like a Mexican thing or an El Paso thing, but I feel like a lot of people live from the scarcity mindset. Can you expand on that? Because I agree with you. But just expand in what ways? Give me, if possible, some examples. Because I 100% agree with you. Well, it was like you were saying, like hating on people, like in the J, J Balvin concert, being like, oh, well, bad these bunny. people, or whoever, yeah, mm-hmm. Bad Bunny. Oh, was it was Bad Bunny, yeah. Um, oh, yeah, it was, yeah. Do so, you like Bad Bunny? Yeah, I like Bad Bunny. Not that much, then. I like I like Bad Bunny, but I mean, I wouldn't. How much would you pay for his concert? Mm, not that much. <laughs> <laughs> but I've seen him in concert. Okay. Yeah. So, um, yeah, like how you were saying, like people commenting like, oh, these people paying all these money. What's wrong with these people? Like, yeah, who cares? You know, uh, like that type of thing. And like the comments on, on the, the uh, account like that. that you were talking about, like what, all of that hating on each other. What's your take? And, 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 and hopefully I'm not going the wrong route here. What's your take on our city manager getting half a million per year? <laughs> you you wanted to dive like into politics? No, it's because you're saying this and... <laughs> I have, and I think you already know my my, my take on it, but it's 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 it, it kind of goes back to that. Perhaps it's okay, and and here I'm gonna give you here. Uh, I'm gonna save you from answering this, but perhaps you can say that you know what I don't like his work so far. Like I don't think that I don't like it, but to just because it's half a million or four hundred thousand, whatever it is. To say that, oh, like people think that if we take a chunk of his money, then he's going to put it in whatever, in, in your opinion, we need. doesn't work that way. And then if they really understand, because you do see the bad things, but do you also see the positive things? Do you agree that El Paso has grown? And if, if it has, what percentage do you give to this guy? Like, yeah. again, show empathy. Perhaps if you say this guy has not to whatever it is. But have the empathy to also understand that if we want to think big, that, hey, it's just not a small city. Okay, there, there's some stuff to that. What is one stuff? Hiring someone that has a proven track record or or at least that we can hold accountable. Or or he, this guy, when, when uh, Tommy, when I had him on, he said about other offers that he had from other cities as well. You know, and again, if we want someone competitive, my take is like, espérame, like have your opinion before or after showing empathy and understanding a little bit of both sides. But a lot of times you just hear that number. Oh, no. Está robando, es un ratero. Okay, all right. I don't mind that we pay that to the, somebody in that position to be competitive. Like, I, I, I do agree with you that I think it's important. I don't know if I necessarily think that what he's done is justified that amount. Okay, um, there you go. Okay. Yeah, so... I mean, I don't mind that amount. I just don't think that that he's proven that, that he's worth that, you know? I do, and a lot of people don't understand, and you being law, you do understand that, hey, wait, there is the city that negotiated the contract. This is what this guy has. And there's in no way that we can, like, tackle this person for, you will be, I will be doing the same thing because, hey, you says, okay, this is what I have done. And there, I mean, there's so many different aspects, but at least the only thing I, again, would like is for people to, I mean, it's a really high salary for El Paso. It's a really high salary for for an, for living in El Paso, and I think that you need to justify that and really um, be doing a lot to deserve it. And I don't know if if I would say 100%. In your opinion, you think that the growth hasn't, 
like match the basically his heller is that what you're saying yeah okay there you go <laughs> like it is a discussion yeah yeah i i think you just you have to do a lot to to earn that salary in this city and i just don't think that yeah i think there's just a lot more that could be done Okay, the, the, that is something, especially you that you're educated, that you understand that you're very involved with the city, what, what the changes are. But if that is the case, I also would understand that. Espérame, there was a contract that it was not by him, but it was approved by different um, people there. And also that the, the way that this person gets evaluated on a yearly basis, mm -hmm. and it was them that different from your opinion like no they did say that Tusk, mm -hmm. it is worth it so like in this case it wouldn't be tommy in this case it would just hey perame, i don't agree with your assessment on how good you think that maybe he did and then there's a different topic but at least not that of hating just because it's a high number yeah. or or nothing like that yeah but bueno, did i steal your thunder from what you would like to change or improve from el paso is that it no, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm passionate about that because especially because they put me on and on me, cara. Like they put like a clip of a video that I put on 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 the on the on YouTube, and on that whole clip, I was like, "Sasuke, if this guy's worth like pay him a million dollars, like if yeah. they, if they go for it." But crees que pusieron like 30 seconds of me just asking him, and then me cara de, ah. I was like. <laughs> This guy's did me wrong. So they, they there's per something dirty. personal there. Deja todo se lo mandé mi niña y mi niña. They did you dirty that. No, like, it's okay. Right, but you know what Aww. happened after? No pasa nada. Like, a lot yeah. of people like, you know, who cares? Any, any press is good press, right? Deja todo Chelsea me manda un screenshot. Hey, you're famous now. Like a month later. Like, yeah, but now how famous I wouldn't be. All right, yeah. Cynthia, what else are we missing? I, t more than two hours, I, I think this is the second longest or maybe the longest after um, Monica's episode. No, Anything else that we're missing? No, I think we've covered everything. Okay. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time. Like I said, I I know you're busy. Everyone's busy and, and I really value time and the things that you share, I think I they're going to help someone. And whoever watched or listened the entire thing, gracias. I appreciate your time. Yeah, thank you for doing this too, because I think what you do is so important to highlight El Paso and and the, the positivity going on here. Mm, thank you so Unlike much. Unlike other oh, okay. places let, you let, said <laughs> that you said you you said okay. That's all I have, guys. Thank you so much. Adios. <laughs>